plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we're here for the weekly episode, your weekly dose of magic, cantrip, cartel, goodness. Um, due to circumstances that was no one's fault, and I actually mean it this week, we are recording separate, uh, a couple long days at work. Um, we did get to record a smoking hot interview with uh, our good friend Chris, who is a patron, and kicks a major ass at the Buffalo Chicken Dip tournament this last weekend. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast for an o- over an hour of uh, deck breakdown and tournament breakdown on how he rode Grixis, uh, Grixis Delver to a uh, semifinal position and brought home an underground sea for his trouble. But yeah. that's not what we're here for right now. Uh, yes, I was saying congratulations. Shut up, Matt. Um, nope. We're here to talk magic, but Matt, how you doing today? Now you can congratulate him. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, I believe his Discord handles Asphalt. Yes. So congratulations, Asphalt. Um, well done. I was uh, I kept checking in on Discord to see how you were doing all day. So I'm really happy for you. It's <laughs> nice to it's nice to know that like we do have some good people (laughs) you know you know what i mean though like we have legitimate people in our discord that play magic and are good and are doing well at tournaments like you can't like no random scrubs just going to show up and win an underground sea right yep like he just won like four hundred dollars yeah it was there was they had like very real tournament 95 people almost 100 people the tournament um, yeah so i mean to be butt. to put that to put that into perspective now this is a different caliber of people but it looks like the pro, modern pro tour only had 250 so like 100 people is a decent size event yeah like and uh, uh, 200 269 people at the modern pro tour spoiler spoiler alert but like one of the best cards in his deck is a very big pet card of mine, Stifle. Like fucking put in work on Saturday, and we talked about it extensively. Yeah, that was uh, hilarious. All the the stifling that was going yeah. down. Oh, because so. after every every turn every match, he was getting into the Discord talking about what he got to stifle, and like again, like d- dude, like the dude dodged a uh, a supreme verdict by stifling a fetch land and blocking him off his second white source nice yeah oh it was awesome it was so cool so sorry matt how are you doing today um not a ton to report about the only thing i even wanted to really bring up because we want to try to keep this a little shorter i know we say that every week but we do have what an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes interview like breakdown so uh, we do actually need to keep this a little shorter yeah we don't Um, we don't need to put up a four-hour episode this week (laughs) Right. So for uh, video game fans, and retro quite isn't quite the right word, but for retro video game fans, uh, anybody who was around playing video games in the PlayStation 1 era probably has at least heard of Twisted Metal. Yes. Um, obviously, they, they actually had Twisted Metal 1, 2, 3, and 4 for PlayStation 1, then Twisted Metal Black for PlayStation 2, and then just Twisted Metal for PlayStation 3. Uh, they just actually released a new show based on twisted metal it's called twisted metal it's on nbc so you have to have like a peacock subscription to fucking watch it which was they cost me five bucks and i'll just cancel it (laughs) yep well the here so brief aside for five bucks you still get commercials like fuck off (laughs) that's the worst thing about hulu is like we have a paid subscription to hulu but it's not the high enough tier to not get commercials and it's like oh my gosh so, anywho, shitting on NBC aside, the show itself, We almost mediocre. fucking had it. Sorry, technical difficulties. 
Continue. Okay. I was very confused about what just happened. <laughs> it's okay. They um, won't even hear it. It'll all be fixed. Uh, so, like, the show itself was mediocre. Like, the action in it was fun. It's not, like, super well done. It is a TV show. I'm sure it doesn't have a huge budget. Um, but, like, and there's a there's a little bit of a problem with stakes because, like, there's a main character and the whole show is based around, like, people killing each other in cars. So, yep. like, you just kind of know that the main couple characters aren't really going to die. So there, there's there's some, like, problems with the tension and whatnot because, like, they'll just be, like, raining bullets on the main character's car and they just bounce off. Yeah. And, like, that's not what happens to bullets. But you, <laughs> if you can sus- suspend your belief a little bit more, I'm yeah. sure it's fine. And, well, like I said, it's it's fun, but it's not, like super tense like at uh-huh. no point i'm like oh is you know what's his face gonna die to put it in perspective i don't even remember the guy the main character's name yep the the outstanding like star of this the really really the, the character that really brought it home and made me want to watch it because like the two main characters in my opinion are just boring mm-hmm. um was sweet tooth and if you're a Twisted Metal fan, you know who Sweet Tooth is. He's an yes. insane clown who drives around an ice cream truck. Yeah. And he's like on every he's on the cover of like every game. He's fucking awesome in this. <laughs> and like one of the things they do is like it's like this really weird sense of like dark humor, like but with like a tooth out because the the there's like an apocalypse happened basically short story apocalypse happened in around the 2000 era stuff so it's kind of got that like guardians of the galaxy wannabe kind of feel where they use like an era of music and like pop culture references so it's all but it's all like 2000s era shit um which was right when i was in high school so like it oh yeah it's fucking they they picked the the exact one to get me and my wife because i was like old like i'm old enough to get it all and remember it and still like the game like so they nailed that uh, but like Sweet Tooth is fucking great in this. He like he just goes around like murdering people, like and they don't <laughs> like shy away from it at all. He's just a psycho killer. Yep. And so there's a ton of like weird hyper violence blended with like it's a lot of times played for laughs. So like the tone of the show is kind of all over the place and whatnot. So like I gave it like a solid, it's like a six. Like it was worth watching. I sat down and watched it in one go because I was like, well, I'm not fucking not watching this. I'm a huge yeah, Justin Metal of fan. Of course. Right. Uh, here's the best thing that happened. So like I saw that the show was being released and I was like, oh, I might watch that, whatever. But I was like, hey, I wonder if in coordination with the shows, they're going to do anything with the old games. And they released Twisted Metal 1 and 2 on the PlayStation uh, network for free. It's just like on there now. Oh, that's fucking was, awesome. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I know what I'm fucking doing. So I messed around with Twisted Metal 1, 2, and uh, Black was already on there. I don't know if they re-released it or not. Um, for a while, it was on what was called PlayStation Now, which was like PlayStation yep. Netflix. And then they blended PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now together into PlayStation Plus Premium. Mm-hmm. So like I've got 1, 2, and Twisted Metal Black on there. And uh, there's still a lot of fun. It it's one of those things like it's hard to kind of play them casually because like the controls and everything are really like dated. Yeah. Um, and especially like the jump from like one and two both play pretty similarly, but the jump from one to, or from two to twisted metal black was a huge jump. Like twisted metal black is even more arcadey and everything's like super fast. Um, which was just really weird. Like, 
like I loved it when it came out, but it's just kind of jarring because I was like, I'm gonna Twisted Metal Two is my favorite, mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm gonna play two, and I, you know, I got used to that and started, you know, going around killing stuff and whatever. And I was like, I'm gonna fuck around with Black, and like you hit the gas on like the slowest character, and you're immediately doing like 80 miles an hour, <laughs> like, okay, kind of <laughs> ramping it up to 12. Huh? Yeah, they just, yeah, it's just really, it's just jarring. Now, the one anecdote I will tell about my days of playing twisted metal is i reached gaming nirvana for the first time when i was playing twisted metal black it was my birthday and i'd gotten twisted metal black for my birthday because my uh another quick aside my dad is also a huge fan of the twisted metal series oh so like so like he's um like he has my original playstation and twisted metal 2 and dino crisis 2 like he's actually would speed run dino crisis 2 and i mean it's not like a world record or anything but like he's can do it in under two hours and get an s ranking on it like he played the fuck out of it and um he loves twisted metal 2 as well uh so like he got me twisted metal black for my birthday we used to play them all the time together um so it was my birthday i'm sitting in there chilling and like I'm playing and I'm playing and I'm playing and I'm like, you know, in the zone or whatever. And eventually my mom comes in and she's like, are you ever coming out here for your birthday party? I was like, I was like, yeah, I will. When Derek gets here, she's like, he's been here for an hour. You, he walked in your room. You had a conversation with him and you just kept playing. That's <laughs> I, awesome. To this day, have no memory of that conversation. Nothing. All I remember is playing fucking Twisted Metal black for the first time and just being a uh, completely oblivious to anything going on in the outside world like i just walked out there i was like hey derek how's it going <laughs> he's yep. like uh not bad getting kind of bored out here without you <laughs> without the person i came here to hang out with <laughs> yeah so um super excited to play twisted metal again um it again if you're playing it if it's been the first time you've been playing it in a while like Give it a minute, because, like, holy shit, the controls are weird. And you can't change them. You just have to learn it again. And that is that is yeah. one of the downsides of, like, some of these games is, like, the ones that, like, everything is good but the controls. Because, like, graphics don't really ma- bad, uh, matter to me all that much. Yep. Like, yeah, the graphics for Twisted Metal 1 and 2 suck. Sure. The gameplay's fun, so I don't care. Um, yeah. The... The controls are what gets me, though, because, like, if I want to sit down and play this and actually have fun, I got to dedicate, like, the next, like, five to ten hours just to get, like, good at this again. Yeah. Whereas, like, some of the those games, the slightly newer ones. So, like, if you kick into, like, t- even Twisted Metal 2, Twisted Metal 2 is still a little awkward, but it's way less awkward. They've just gotten better at designing control layouts even though the funny thing is the controller hasn't changed at all we just gotten way better at like mapping the buttons and like yeah i just like there's and like it's just understood like like the it's kind of like with phone chargers how like like phones kind of just conglomerated around a, a couple versions of what we use to charge our phones and it made things so much easier and that's exactly what's happened with controls where lots of games are different but there's just some rules that game developers follow when designing a button layout and we these are just the golden rules that we understand where like where things belong yeah and so uh that can be a little jarring when you first start playing it because yeah. it's fucking like you've got a few options you can change them to but none of them are any good like relative to like like if you could completely redo it it'd be fine but with it being stuck with it being stuck because one of the big things is like um so square and X, squares like accelerate, triangles Ugh. turbo, 
And then, like, you still fire with your triggers, which feels pretty good. Uh, that's pretty intuitive. Like, R1 and L1 run, L run switch your uh, weapons, and mm-hmm. R2 and L2 are, like, your machine gun, and then your, uh, uh, like, your specials, whatever missiles or whatever you have going up. And then, yep. basically, the circle, triangle, X, and square are... Um, your driving like, controls. Driving controls, for the most part. And then you've also got the D-pad... So you're supposed to steer with the stick, and then you've got the D-pad to put in input commands. So mm-hmm. like, if you hit like left, right, forward, that shoots, shoots out a freeze blast. If you hit left, right, backwards, that fires whatever active weapon you have backwards. Those gotcha. kind of things. And so that was also one of the things about learning the game, is just like learning those, and I've forgotten what most of them are, except oh, freeze. Oh, <laughs> I never learned any of them. Yeah. Well, they help a lot. Um, yeah, I bet. Uh, but anywho, like... And it's, it's just really weird, because, like, you can't really do... It just doesn't feel right, so it just takes time. Yeah. But uh, I was just super excited, because, like, the one of the things that does kind of suck is, like, my dad has my copy of my Twisted, of Twisted Metal 2, mm-hmm. so, like, I can't play it. So, um, <laughs> now I can. And, the, yep. like, it's just another reason. Like, I could not be happier, aside from the actual mechanical issues, the PlayStation, like... Uh, ecosystem is fucking fantastic. Uh, like a couple days either before or after my birthday this year, Metal Gear Solid uh, one, two, and three are being re-released. So like that'll be one of the first times in a while that I just in- I'm just instantly buying those. They're like fifty bucks, and I'm yep. Like matter. I won't pre-order them because I do want to make sure they work before yeah, I buy okay. them. But assuming the games work and actually like play on the, it's just an instant buy. It'll be day one purchase for me. Assuming it's not just a shit show. Yep. Um, there's there's several other remakes like it's just the the golden age of remakes so I uh, couldn't be happier. But. Good, that's awesome. Yep, that's basically all I had that I really wanted to talk about. The only thing I have to cover this week is I learned over the weekend. Uh, actually, I learned last week thanks to Matt because we work at the same place um, that we're coming up on my first year and. I didn't realize it. Time's just kind of been flying by, and that's, you know, a good thing. But our vacation expires after a year, and we're a use-it-or-lose-it company. So it's, you know, if I don't take my vacation, it's just gone poof. And I had thought, because when, when I started when I started working for them, you have like a three-month probationary period, which is pretty common with most companies. You know, no insurance, no vacation for three months. And so in my head, I was like, well, I didn't, my, like, on-paper start date is is three months after September. I, I did my first day like September 5th or something, September 6th. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's so my, my start day when I got my vacation and I got all my benefits. That's three months later. So that's probably, you know, it's October, November, December. So sometime in December is when my vacation will reset. And Matt was like, that's not how they did mine. Mine reset on my like start date. And yep. so I started looking into it and I was like, oh shit. My start date is as of today, barely over a month away. And I uh, looked at my. Uh, my balance sheet for time off, and I have 52 hours left. <laughs> I didn't. I haven't taken hardly any. We get two weeks a year, um, which isn't great for an established employee. But as far as like someone who just started, I've never had two weeks of vacation. And uh, I was like, oh shit! So I got to message my boss, and I let him know the details. And he was like, well, get some re- get some vacation requested. And so like I took this Saturday off. I already have a day off next week for my birthday. I took the whole week after that off. I took a day off next month on the weekend. Like I I am I, I did the math. Like this month I have like seven days off. Nice. Now keep in mind you only work like twenty days a month. 
Yeah. Because you only work five days a week. So taking I'm, almost half the month off. <laughs> taking almost half a month off. So that was um, the biggest thing that's happened to me recently was, like, just this huge, um, like, good news burst of, like, hey, how about you just, you know, you've been pretty, I've been pretty burned out lately. I've been really busy, and a lot of what we've been doing, um, I just haven't been accomplishing much. So, like, I just, just having a hard time kind of getting up and getting going and, uh, you know. A, a long weekend here, a short work week there, and a whole week off is going to really put some pep in my step. I'm looking forward to getting a bunch of stuff done in the garage. I have a little side business going now. I've got, you know, business cards and a Facebook page. I'm, I've got to get some more stuff made for that. i got some house projects that need done, and I get a lot of cod that needs played. And that's all going to be taken care of in the next couple of weeks, and I'm really excited about it. So thank you, Matt, for reminding me about my vacation before I lost all of it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Happy to help. Um, I could than... also help explain a little bit of the burnout. <laughs> yeah, this is Pete, the, uh, the, uh, the the people we work with are very uh, proactive on like, you know, hey, you know, work balance life, you know, get your shit, take time, blah, 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 don't get too burned out. And I've just, I've been the guy in a video game that was given a limited resource and it's like, oh, we just don't use that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm never going to use my potions nope because if i use them then i won't have them that is 100 yeah. percent how my year has been so several times throughout the year we have had days where we've been like super light and so they'll give someone the day off and i've taken several of those and they say hey if you want you can just request it as a pto day and you'll get paid for it and i have ev- i've done i've taken like four days off throughout the year doing that which is nice but i never used pto days because i did because if i used them then i wouldn't have them yep <laughs> I, I literally would only have a couple days left if I had just used my PTO. I just it just really snuck up on me the the year ending in, uh, well, that, in September. The big thing for me is like if you're gonna send me home or say like if they called me up tonight, shit. If they called me five minutes before I was about to leave for work tomorrow and be like, Matt, you can have the day off, but it's unpaid. I'll be like, cool. I'll see you on Monday. A hundred percent. Yep. I'll take wouldn't it. Wouldn't hesitate at all. I have like, d- don't get me wrong. I need to have a job, sort of. Yeah. But like. I don't need to work tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I can fucking sure. <laughs> I can afford to miss a day. A hundred percent. And I will one hundred percent not use my PTO because those are the days I get to pick to be yes. off. <laughs> not uh, yeah. the random. Like if and, you want to call me off, that's fine, but I'm not going to use my PTO for it. And that's how I felt. Like I like I still have three sick days I never use this year, and I've I'm I'm really bad about going to work. Not like deathly ill, but just kind of sick, kind of feeling like shit. I'm trying. I've I've made a. uh, I've kind of come to a. I've had an epiphany, I guess, in the last like couple months where, again, I'm at a company again where everyone uses their sick days, and the company is happy when you use them. I mean, I'm sure no one like it. Kind of sucks when we're down a person, but no one ever gives anyone any shit for using a sick day. Like, I've joked with uh, the person who runs our office um, about it, and she's been like, "Well, if you want a sick day," like I've joked and been like, "Hey, you know, I'm." I'm just really kind of burned out. Can I just like not come to work today? And she's been like, well, you know, we're already down. We're already down one. um, So like, I'd like you to come in, but they're your days to use if you want to use them. Just that totally open about it. Like you can take a sick day. I'm not going to stop you. No, no browbeating, no guilting, no, which I'm not saying my last company did that. That's, I do that to myself. I browbeat myself when I think about taking a sick day and I'm trying to get out of that mentality and been like, I have, I get three days, sick days a year minimum. Like, it's okay if you feel like shit to just be like, I'm not going to be at work today. Yeah. The Well, the problem at FedEx was, like, if you don't show up, someone. You. Directly. Me, most of the time. But someone is getting fucked. 
because yeah. you, we don't get to like just reschedule. Like if you call in sick tomorrow, they can reschedule some of your work, especially yeah. uh, like, you know, your plumbing system checks or whatever, like that stuff can get pushed back. Yep. There's no rescheduling a route. So yeah, like they, all yeah. it done, all you've done is like reduced our capacity to deliver the same number of stops. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. It's, it's relatively easy just to bump a call for tomorrow. Like it's okay. Yeah. So I need to, I need to be better. I need to, I need to be better about doing that stuff. But um, like I said, I'm really looking forward to getting to take some time off, getting to relax. I even got, so there's a farmer's market this weekend they get to go to because it's on Saturday and I went ahead and took Saturday off. Now that does mean that tomorrow I'm going to be coming home from work and working my butt off all night long because I have to make more inventory for the thing I, I wasn't planning on going to. Mm-hmm. But uh, once I once I get done, I'll be I'll be happy it's done, and I'll be looking forward to uh, to doing it, to doing the the thingy ma thing with the thinger things, going and selling some wares. Um, do you know who is not interested in selling wares? Who's that? Our patrons, of whom I do not have a list. <laughs> I don't have the patron list with me. So I sent you to sent you to you last week. I know, yeah. and it's not in there. I went through my things. Um, I don't see it in here. Okay. It has it has disappeared. The, the the little screen grab I had of, of all of our patrons. So um, I am going to give my biggest condolences that I found it never mind. Uh, thank you to Empra and Asphalt, who put our stuff on Reddit every single week. Thank you guys so much. I super appreciate it. I love getting to see those posts and see the people chit-chatting in there. Uh, Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, uh, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M., Limit of Questions, Derek T., His Forest, and Jasper. Thank you all for coming on. Thank you for supporting the podcast in a very real and very meaningful way. Um, if you ever want to, if anyone else listening wants to join the podcast, uh, hop in the Discord, uh, maybe look at some of the cool merch we have. We have t-shirts, we have, uh, what are they called, uh, sleeves, uh, playmats, uh, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. And we will love to chit chat with you. But Matt, here's what I think we're going to do with Legacy this week. Since I do have a relatively long discussion with uh, Asphalt about Legacy, I think let's go through the uh, challenge top eight. We'll take a peek at most of the decks. Most of them are pretty standard, and we'll kind of acknowledge them, give credit where credit is due, and move on. We'll spend a little more time on modern because we did have a fucking pro tour to talk about. Although uh, but let's that's breeze still through. Not going to take that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we still have we still get to have a nice fun yeah. time talking about it. So, um, like Matt said, it I, it probably literally will be a little shorter of us this week. Um, I'm, we're, one because we want to save a little time for the end episode. I don't really want to put a four hour episode up this week. And two. Uh, you know, behind the curtain a little bit. It is Thursday. It is late. Matt needs to go to bed in the next couple hours. I need to make dinner still. So um, we're going to chug through this a little quick, a little quicker than normal. Uh, but rest not, uh, listener. You will receive the appropriate amount of content you deserve. That all being said, Matt, do you have the mo- or the legacy challenge pulled up? Yeah, I've got go? it pulled up. Sweet. Yep. So we've got a uh, reanimator, cloud pose, tempo, tempo, painter, lands, maverick, tempo. Let's go to modern. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, so so some things. <laughs> or did you note, want a little slower that? There's, slower than that. So okay, in, no, so, just kidding. Probably so, give the name of the person who place, won. Yeah. So first place we've got uh, it's Black Red Reanimator with a couple other cards splashed in there. Uh, we'll go over that briefly. But we've got Magic Dad seven one five two two brought it home with Reanimator. Um, just looking through the list here, we've got a couple of Traxes in the main. We've got a couple of Trolls uh, as well. 
Trolls the troll, of Cause of Doom. Yeah, Trolls of Cause the, uh, the, the Swamp, swamp cycling. cycling. Yes. Yep. Um, spells, I don't see anything. There's a couple shallow graves in there, which is a relatively new addition as opposed to the Exhumes. It um, makes sense to me when you have cards like Atraxa and Archon of Cruelty. Um, like, Atraxa just swings the game so heavily where you get, like, you get getting to put it in, you know, get your couple cards, and then also get seven life out of it. And then mm-hmm. Archon of Cruelty, getting to double up the, the ETB trigger and the attack trigger is also just a game-breaking state. Like, you don't mind losing the card as much when you've when you effectively gone up that many cards. Yeah. Whereas, like, so, Grizzlebrand, I mean, Grizzle, and Grizzlebrand fits that, too. Like, you don't need Grizzlebrand to sit around. I mean, how often have you been playing against, well, you don't quit, but, you know, most people, I'll tell you, when Grizzlebrand hits the board, no matter for what reason, they just concede. The game's over. Yeah, so like, I don't. <laughs> no, you do not. But Shallow Grave, and also it being an instant, has really powerful ramifications, yeah. too. I was going to say, that's the big thing with me, is, like, the Exhume, I know there are downsides to having it get each player, but the big difference to me is the uh, the instant speed effect, being able to use it uh, at instant speed is a huge advantage. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, the, the downside of it being exiled at the end of turn or whatever isn't nearly as big of a deal when almost all of them do something, like, game-breaking once they yes. hit the battlefield. So, like... And the other side is... Being able to play it and punch the same turn is also huge. Yes. Like, you can't underestimate that either. Giving them haste often means, since they have this, like, so you look at Atraxa. If she has haste, then she's going to do a lot of what she would do anyways if she didn't die at the end of turn. She's going to come in. You're going to get her giant-ass ETB. You're going to punch. So you're going to have that four most likely that 14 point life swing or take out their best dude or whatever like she's still going to do a ton so being able to like do that and be like okay i'm about to die next turn if only my if only (laughs) grizzlebrand had haste okay well i have the option to give him haste now yep so um it is somewhat relevant you probably know this i did not shallow grave has been errated such that it says exile it at the beginning of the next end step Gotcha. So you so, can do it at the end of their turn. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's a. It's good mana efficiency. I mean, you're not like you're not gaining haste really because it gives the card haste. But it's one of those things like you know you can hold it up in case you're waiting for them to play into something or whatever. And then at the end of their turn, you know, get your attacks onto the board, does its thing, and then you get to go to your turn and still attack with it and have it the entire turn. Yeah, and that's Which, the the big thing there is you can hold your mana up and wait for them to try to attack your graveyard and then do it in response. Yes. And if they don't, then you can also, like, if they tap out or whatever and you're in the clear, then you can go for it at the end of their turn still. Yep. Like, and, it gives you a lot of options. I mean, you can also just go for it at the end of their turn, let it get countered, and then your turn you can untap and go, cool, reanimate. Right. I mean, this is just the, the perfect example of, like, why instants are so good. Because yes. you just have way more options than uh, you do with sorceries, so... I mean, which it, is like the world's like most basic bitch statement. Like, yep. instants are better than sorceries, but like, I mean, really? that's basically the difference between Exhum and Shallow. Yep. So, and, uh, um, and I mean, case in point, like, like how like how we're defend we're propping up Shallow Grave, and Exhum is maybe a better card, but like one of them lets you keep the fucking creature, and one of them doesn't, and we're over here being like, yeah, Shallow Grave's pretty awesome. We like that Shallow Grave card. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Something um, sort of interesting in the sideboard to kind of wrap yeah, this deck up. Sauron, the dark, the dark lord, a <laughs> a relatively impossible creature to kill. We'll say, or at least to hard. target. Yeah, um, has ward sacrifice a legendary artifact or legendary creature. So, and then obviously, anytime your opponent casts a spell, you get to amass orcs one, which is which is pretty pretty good. 
the rest of the stuff is all that has to do with like ring tempting and eh, it's not yeah the biggest deal in fairness it, it can matter the uh Sauron saying whenever the ring tempts you you can discard your hand and draw four cards that can be pretty relevant but yeah like if you've chosen to reanimate Sauron you've got your seven six fatty kind of hard to kill on the board like we're I, I view that as a little bit win more like if you're going for that you know be drawn basically ancestral every turn yeah I was gonna say to me that it it kind of mimics the same kind of stuff you get with like uh Archon attracts and Grizzlebrand, where it's like you kind of want to be churning through your deck a little bit. It does it in a much more difficult to kill yeah. way, but it's also you know, a way your, you don't get to control. Your orc army has to attack, and you have to yeah. dump your entire hand. That's like right. Reanimator usually doesn't care that much about that, but there are going to be times when you don't want to be ditching your hand. Yeah. So the nice but thing no. it is it is a may, so yes. you don't have to do that. Yep. Which is a huge. <laughs> that's very important. So. Yeah, that was a really cool deck. I did kind of want to go into that one a little bit because there's a little bit of a different take on um, Reanimator. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Mono Green Cloud Post. Uh, let's see here. See if there's anything interesting here. Interesting. I mean, other than other than seeing yeah. Cloud Post pop into a top eight, which we have not seen in a very yeah, long time. Yeah, in and of itself is kind of cool. Pretty good. The deck itself though, seems pretty boring. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, as far Nothing as Cloud new. Post, I, I mean, a deck that has three. Um, whatchamacallits, Eldrazi, yeah. that it intends on casting. It just always feels bad to me when we are like, this deck is boring, and it's like, that somebody loves this fucking deck. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's and just, it's, what it's a cool We deck. always mean is there's nothing new going on here. Yes. So, like, the deck hasn't really changed all that much. I'm sure the numbers have been tweaked a little bit here or there that, like, the people in the, the Cloud Post Discord know about. Yeah. They're probably brewing, like, Mad Men to get it playable uh, and are probably super excited at top-aided, but there's nothing that the... Uh, the layman is going to be like, oh my god, they completely retooled this deck. Mm-mm. Looks pretty... Speaking of boring you know. decks... Yeah, the 3rd, 4th, and 8th are the same deck. And ninth, And ninth, yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I've like, i looked at 3rd, 4th, and 8th, and I mean, like, they look like the same the same, same 60. Yeah, they're basically the exact, almost the exact same list. Um, and, and this is like those Grixis... 3rd and 4th are... They've got, Grixis like, one tempo. Delver. And they're the they're the boring Grixis tempo where there's literally one black pip in the deck, and that's for the four Orcish Bowmasters. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, nothing cool in the side in that one. Nothing cool in the side in that one. Yeah. So Grixis uh, Grixis Delver. So blue red Delver with Bowmasters. Next, yep. Painter. Let's see here. It's got a white pip, but it looks like that's just for a couple of Enlightened Tutors and a couple sideboard cards. Yep, and some, some good, like, hole. like a portable hole, which is a cool card. Aetherstorm Cannon is a good, good hate piece. Um, but looking through crater here... Crater Makers. You don't see Crater Maker at Oh, that's true. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice the Crater Maker. I did see the... I saw the other goblins. I did not see... I did not notice that one. Yeah. They snuck one in there. Um, so what is that for? You can sack it to deal two damage to anything, or you can destroy a colorless non-land permanent. So you get to nuke an artifact or an Eldrazi. You can Goblin Crater Maker can kill an Eldrazi. It can. Um, Goblin Crater Maker can solo Emrakul. It is a somewhat clean answer. It costs a little bit more mana to do, but it is a decent answer to Bowmaster. Um, not only it can't be Bowmaster, can't really effectively be Bowmaster itself, and can just kill one pretty cleanly. It, um, it, no, it can't, Matt. Oh, I'm sorry. Two damage to target it deals creature. Two damage. I was like Matt. It is a <laughs> that is a colored permanent. It's a black card. Yeah, it's. It's the first, the first well, option just, there. That is such a weak option compared to the second one. 
You know, yeah. what I mean? like like in like in retrospect, like in the grand scheme of legacy, the idea to do teal uh, to do two damage or something is so weak compared to destroy target non land colorless permanent. But you're right; it does um, it does answer crater maker or uh, does bow answer master. bowmaster, um, which the only reason like that's a so basically when a new card pops up, any changes they don't necessarily are they're not necessarily put in there just to counteract bowmaster, but they're probably in there to counteract the meta that bowmaster has brought about. Mm-hmm. So like, but the problem is that argument kind of goes out the window when 50 per- 50% of the decks run bowmaster. Like mm-hmm. at some point you got to go, yeah, that card's probably in there for bowmaster. It may be in there for other things too, but it's going, okay, in this deck, how do I deal with a bowmaster? Yep. You know what I mean? Um, not that this deck cares a ton about it, but it does like goblin welder is a very important card for this deck. So like, just being able to pick it off at any point in time is uh, can be pretty problematic. Yep. But the flip side is this deck doesn't draw a shit ton of cards, Mm-mm. so like you're not going to get a ton of extra like pings against it. Doesn't, um, even, doesn't even destroy the ring either, right? Because it's destroy, and the ring is indestructible. Yeah. So this seems like an experiment to me. Yeah. It's kind of like some of you saw we got some credit last week from uh, per second. Um, apparently we did a very good job talking about Doomsday and we keyed in on like the interesting card in the deck, the Commandeers. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, the Doomsday Discord has no fucking clue what they're for. Like it's the, it was um, that apparently that pilot is very known for the one of fun of, and that was there to steal the ring. And it's a bad gotcha. card. It's not great at what it does, but it's a, it's, it's when it works, it's bonkers. So yeah, when it know, works, you win the game. <laughs> I'm getting vibes from a, a, a one of crater maker to do, to answer some one of niche problem. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got lands in sixth place. Let's breeze or come through this real quick. See if there's anything new. The here. deck costs $8,000, Matt. It has to be interesting. Well, it's not that it's not interesting. It's just there's nothing. I don't see anything new that we no. haven't seen before. Nope, I don't see anything Although, going on here. The uh, the pseudo proxies always trip me up. So like when I scroll past Wasteland and it says Valley of Golgoroth, I'm like, what the fuck? The things that um, the things it pulls as the primary art is so annoying. Yeah, but um, nope, I don't see much yeah, going there's on here. Like nothing I haven't seen here. Again, s- maybe numbers tweaks, but there's nothing. A new. solid lands list. Yep. Seventh place probably has the most interesting deck in the top eight, in my opinion. Just like on on the face value of the a deck that showed up in a top eight. Yeah, I mean we've got Maverick and actual this is one factual. of those things. Yes, it's actual Maverick. We got twenty six fucking creatures, and only the <laughs> most we have is three of one. So we got three knights, three bowmasters, and then three noble hierarchs, and the rest two, is one and two. So we got two all kinds of shit as well. Here. Yeah, and that's that to me is like. This is what we talked about, and I know the metagames have changed a lot, but this is what we talked about when like people were doing the, the elf shenanigans. It's like, why don't you just cut the yeah. crappy elf cards? You've cut all the synergy, yep. so just cut the elves and run good cards. Well, here we go. We've got actual Maverick. We're using the Fiend Artisan, so we still get plenty of that repeatable search stuff. Yep. Uh, we've still got the, we can still take full advantage of Green Sun Zenith, and in my opinion, take more advantage of Green Sun Zenith. Like, that... In my opinion, Dry or uh, Maverick uses Green Sun Zenith better than Elves does. Oh, like, for Elves, sure. Like, there's a few occasions where you'll get something weird. And to be fair, its top end is like if you've got nine, you could just tap and win the game. That's yep. cool. But like, the ability to have 26 different creatures that do like all kinds of different shit, rather than most of them are like synergy pieces. They're all yeah. a whole bunch of different fucking bullets. 
It's so. like when Green Sun Zenith just yeah solves any problem you can experience, that card gets so much more powerful. Yeah, and there's only a couple cards in here it can't get. Like it obviously can't get Mom. We got Bowmasters, Palisjailers, and Thalia. Like so, yeah, it's unfortunate it can't grab those, but. The you other, you know, lot of 20 other creatures, it, it grabs just fine. Yeah. Uh, like I said, does have Bowmasters. So that's, like, this is the, I, it drives me nuts that Bowmasters is in almost 60% of decks. I'm happy that Maverick is back. Yeah. I don't think that's a word, like, I don't think that's a price that I'm, I'd be willing to pay <laughs> uh, to get Maverick back is to have, like, this card dominating the format like it is, but whatever. Like, this, to me, I look at this as a silver lining. It's, like, More hey, copies cool. than Brainstorm. It's almost as many copies as Force of Will. Right. Um, nothing to see here, though. Um, doesn't these look are, like there's anything new in the sideboard. These board. are not the bow masters you are looking for. Right. The, the sideboard's got some like tricky stuff in it, but there's nothing we haven't seen before. No mm-hmm. cards we haven't seen before. The reanimate's a little unusual, but... Um, I mean, I, I get it. When everything in your deck is a freaking banger, like, I would oh, yeah. pay one man and four it, life it's basically, my quest back. It's like a... a black green sun zenith yeah <laughs> yes what it is and you do get to, especially I mean, with the fiend artisan because you get to like you know ch- chuck the thing you want to keep but get another thing that costs more and then pay one more and bring the thing you want back you also get to there's no way in hell a reanimator deck plays around reanimate out of the maverick deck right i'm just gonna store this uh grizzle brand in my graveyard oh thank you i appreciate that can i borrow it yeah every now and then you just get you know free wins Dude, I am so paranoid about stashing cards in my graveyard now as a reanimator player. <laughs> I'm so scared. Well, the big thing is, A, if they're in your graveyard, they're vulnerable to graveyard hate for yep. you. And then B, every now and then motherfuckers <laughs> have reanimate in their own deck <laughs> and you're deep it. shit. <laughs> take it from me. Yeah. It was one of the things I got into the habit of running reanimate just in like black EDH decks. Because it's just fun to be like, like on turn eight, like there's you have four graveyards to pick from. Oh yeah, like you have someone, a second hand that you could just. Someone has played something good and it right. died. And I mean, especially it can even get early stuff too. Like I've had a couple games where like somebody turn two sacrifices a secure tribelder and I reanimate it and do the same thing, and it's just yep. a one mana ramp spell. Like that's just a solid like acceleration plan. Absolutely, it is. So. Um, anywho, uh, eighth place, like we talked about, the Grixis same Delver tempo deck. with Bowmaster. Yeah. So, hooray, Delver's back with a vengeance. No kidding. Um, really overrepresented in the top eight this week. Not not only overrepresented, but there's also, so there's five, so we'll go on to the metagame summary, five Grixis decks, and then two more blue-red Delver decks. So we've yep. got seven of the top 32. We're, like, right back at that, like... Again, 20, 21 uh, to 23%. 20, 20, right. So, hooray, here we go. <laughs> All it took was one more broken two drop. Yeah, that's that's one of the things, like, I feel like, so, like, we've I've, there's been a, whole, a lot of discussion around this card as to, like, whether or not it's going to be a problem and whatnot. And from my perspective, I go, I just look at this and I go, each individual one of these things would be hard to predict if they all hadn't happened before. But, like, how many times do we have to go through this cycle before we're like, yeah, we get it. It's the next broken card that costs two mana and is easy, easily splashable. Guess what deck is going to take advantage of that? Yep. Like, like, I don't know how many times we have to go through this same cycle before we're just like, can we fucking knock it off? So, if people are happy with the metagame, that's great. I 
have your fun, do whatever. Um, this this one in particular hits me hard because at least when it was just blue red Delver, Elves was like a very good deck in the format. <laughs> Not anymore. Like, this is the first right. There's maybe one Elf. There's one in this one. Uh, there's maybe one Elf deck in the top thirty-two every other week. Like it's like down to like one percent, two percent of the meta. Like it's been cut in half, and it was already at its peak peaked at like five percent so um yeah not exactly thrilled with what's going on here not to mention bowmaster in particular just shits all over elves so yeah it's not a fun card to play against when you're trying to go Korean ranger where would symbiote go right well the big thing is okay glimpse of nature cool uh in response bowmaster yep i mean i'd let you, you like to i'd let you ca- i'd let you cast your yeah. first creature well duh but like you know what i mean uh-huh. like you want to keep going? You want to keep playing this game? Correct. So every time you cast a creature, one of your creatures dies. Yeah, it's and then one you get a random card from the top. Right. So, um, so anywho, uh, metagame summary, the rest of it. So like I said, basically seven blue-red Delver decks, three land decks, uh, lands decks, three Death Shadow, two Painter, two Depths, um, and then a bunch of one-ups. We've got Breakfast, Maverick, Eight Cast, Cloud Post, Elves, Murfolk, hooray! Yeah. Um, yeah, not shitting on it. Notably, they have some one toughness for the most most part. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's the nice thing, and especially like you get all the uh, if you can get a couple like lords out, then uh-huh. you're solid. Um, let me. I just want to breeze through this. So you got, um, yeah, the big one. The big ones, their lords have two toughness. So yep. like, you only need one lord out to like secure the. I was thinking they had uh, one toughness. Some of them, some have one, some have two. Um, and I don't play Merfolk much, so it's not like I have Lord of Atlantis's power and toughness like memorized. Uh, so Merfolk, Death and Taxes, uh, Cascade, which we'll see plenty of in Modern, and uh, Sneak and Show. <clears throat> Most played cards. Get used to this, because <laughs> I don't yep. think this is going to change anytime soon. Uh, well, it may change next week, but after that, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. <laughs> Force of Will, Bowmasters, Brainstorm, Ponder Days. Hey, it's Top Chris Silver. Hey, look. Top creatures, Bowmaster, Murktide, DRC, Delver, Endurance. So four Delver cards and yep. an anti-Delver card. Uh, top spells, Forcible, Brainstorm, Ponder, Days, and Thoughtseize. Yep. So we're right back where we were before the ban, effectively. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. I I have heard a lot of people. And again, we're, we are not here to shit on anyone having fun. If you wouldn't... Even when we were playing, like, I, I believe we had the opinion of, like, when Delver was 30% of the meta. Like, if you like this, kudos to you. And if you're enjoying Magic, that's awesome. We don't. And, like, lots of people are really enjoying the games that Bowmasters creates and the sub-games and the, you know, the playing playing into it, playing around it, what you do with it, what you don't do with it. So, and, like, if people are enjoying Legacy, that's awesome. I just, it's not how I wanted to see. It, it's kind of, it's it's definitely a tough place to be in, right? Because, like, we wanted to see Brainstorm attacked, Brainstorm ponder, the cantrips attacked. I just kind of, I want to, like, Goldilocks it a little and have it be a little more subtle than this. I want you to be able to attack those types of game plans, one, in a way that's difficult for them to play, and two, in a way that doesn't just immediately become 60% of the meta. Well, the, yeah, well, the problem is, so you've got kind of like a twofold issue here. One, the Bowmaster is the best deck that uses it as Delver because Delver, yes. like all the same issues we've already talked about. Two, it does prey on fifty percent of the meta, and that's that to me brings up the other issue that we always talk about, that we even fucking named our podcast about, is like, yep. Bowmaster's 
in Legacy wouldn't be as big of a thing if the cantrips weren't as big of a thing. So, like, it doesn't surprise me that this card is fucking off the charge because that's what the that's what Legacy is is cast cantrips. Yeah. Um. So, I like I said, do your thing. the The funny thing is, is like we go we if you've been around it long enough, you go through the same shit and it's like the same arguments, like the exact same arguments are, Oh, I'm having a great time. Two weeks into Ragavan. Yep. You know what I mean? Two weeks into expressive iteration, two weeks into Ren and six, like sure. Okay. I mean, tell me how you feel when the meta doesn't change from this for the next year. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm a great example. There's always going to be someone who enjoys it, right? Like I enjoyed Oko. Every, like, that's the classic example we go back to. It's widely accepted that Oko was a travesty for Legacy. I enjoyed Oko Mirrors. I enjoyed playing Oko and playing against Oko. So there's there's definitely a group of people that no matter almost no matter what you do to Legacy, they're going to be having fun, and, and that's, you know, that's awesome. I'm glad they get to have their fun. But I, it's clear in those other instances that it doesn't matter how much fun I was having. It, like, the majority of people didn't like it. And well, that's and true with is- Ren and Six and with Ragavan and... Uh, expressive iteration and yada yada so like the big thing is if if that's the argument and it's not against you but if that's the argument right that there's going to be people that will always enjoy legacy then they'll enjoy it if we got rid of some of the degenerate shit too that's true you know what i mean yep like 100 (laughs) percent. so those if there's if the people are gonna if people are gonna just be happy either way then sure because i know for a fact there wasn't a whole lot of people talking shit about legacy the week before Lord of the Rings was released. Yeah, it was <laughs> like it was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. So speaking anywho. of Lord of the Rings, yep. How about we do a quick run through of the pro tour from the Lord of the Rings, uh, held in Barcelona, one of the biggest of Magic events of the year. You know, it, it's not to mention like it's a big deal. Like the last couple of pro tours have been Pioneer. And so to have a pro tour acknowledging what is effectively an eternal format is huge. Now, obviously it's not legacy. It probably never will be legacy ever again, but modern is the new legacy and having wizards directly acknowledge modern in a, in hosting a pro tour in it was pretty sweet. I think I was pretty happy about that. Yep. And I will say before we even go into the decks, one of the nice things is if you look at the tabletop price of these decks, they are, relatively reasonable for what yes is well, effectively a, like for uh, a top format. tier top tier competitive deck you're looking at you know on the very top end of these like 1500 bucks but under a thousand dollars for many of them yeah and that's so. you know i i'm not going to speak to anyone's what they have in their pocket but if you're looking to have like the best cut and dry on paper the best and it's going to cost you between 500 dollars and a thousand dollars of anything that's not bad like yeah. I mean, if you want to go, if you want to do rock climbing and you want the best rock climbing gear, it's going to be, it's going to be well over a thousand dollars. If you're going to get to in... me, you're fucking psychotic if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, if you want to get into drag racing, like, I mean, the, the best is going to be like the idea that you can get into a very competitive thing and have the best version of something for less than a thousand dollars is really cool. Obviously magic cards are too expensive. No one on this podcast is arguing against that. But it is nice to see, like we didn't just see like a bunch of four color money piles that cost twenty two hundred bucks. Yeah, and I was happy about that. So, can you imagine? You're going, you're going to climb up some mountain, and you're like, you know what? Let's swing past Harbor Freight. I need to pick up some climbing gear. <laughs> yep. I'm short a couple carabiners. They probably have some, right? <laughs> I'm sure they do. 
<laughs> that would be save a few bucks. I'll uh, I'll use those fall. on my first ones. <laughs> Just <laughs> we can get past those pretty quick. Yeah. So uh, let's bring it home. Let's give the huge shout out. Tons of credit. Jacob Beardsley brought it home with drumroll, please. Racto scam. I don't know if the drum roll came through, but if it didn't, uh, Racto scam won the Pro Tour. In case anyone hasn't heard, I believe I heard a little bit about Jacob Beardsley. I think this was his first Pro Tour um, appearance. I, I, I think so. Question mark. I remember. Let me go back to the page really quick. I'm not going to read everyone's uh, introduction. There was a little introduction on Jacob Beardsley, and since he won, he gets a little extra attenzione. Uh, is he at the very top? Don't mind me while I fill time as if I'm, you know, announcing our patrons. This doesn't say anything about whether or not it's his first time here or not. I believe I heard, though, that this was his first time making it to a Pro Tour. Regardless, tons of shout-outs, tons of credit. Now, as far as yep, congratulations. the individual deck goes and the choices of it, um, it's very much a standard Rakdos, <laughs> Rakdos scam deck. Uh, for Bo- for Bowmaster, of course. Uh, Grief Fury, you know the one, the one uh, Cruxa with a couple of Dothy with four Dothy Do- Dothy Voidwalkers as they're kind of like Plan Bs. The yeah, uh, Cruxa is the thing that stood out to me. I was like, ah, eh. because like Cruxa is not like a shoe in anymore. It's not. No, it definitely bounces in and out, and especially with Orcish Bowmasters, like fighting for that spot, fighting for those creature spots is hard. So yeah. it definitely isn't a guaranteed thing to see the Cruxa there. Um, you know, our six Undying effects, Blood Moon with four Fables. Uh, in the sideboard, you know, some Graveyard Hate, Pithy Needle, Chalices, several Chalices. Chalice was probably one of the most played cards at the Pro Tour because, you know, Cascade is such an obnoxiously card. Yeah, such an obnoxiously powerful deck is all the Cascade decks. And for zero mana on turn one, you get to just answer all of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nothing. I, I, I kind of feel bad we don't get to go super deep into the tank on this Rakdos scam deck, but there's not really much here other than just a really solid, consistent Rakdos deck that, um, you know, I, I I heard, I didn't watch the Pro Tour, um, but people were talking about, like, one of the better games of Magic that they've ever seen was played on, like, round four, where they just had crazy back and forth, right? Like, tons of fighting between Rakdos scam and uh, who exactly came in second again wasn't it four color no it's tron so tron and scam um but game five the deciding game was over in like two turns mm-hmm. and like that is just the true power of something like racto scam over in my opinion something like tron whereas tron has this obscene end game that just like the game is over so quickly sometimes but that doesn't compare to racto scam going turn one uh you know like in this example where like uh, they can't really, they don't really have any answers out of Tron. Like, just make a Fury and start swinging for eight a turn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, go ahead and, like, by the, by the, by your turn three, when you get your Tron lands online, you're dead. Yeah. Not to mention the, like, the times the game, the deck gets to go, like, hey, how about I thought seize you twice on turn one? Like, oh, did you mulligan to six? What if you had, instead of six, the worst four cards in your hand? Yeah. And I had a, you know, a four three. Which so, effectively, realistically, means you have one or maybe two cards in yes. your hand because the other two cards are going to probably be land yeah, yeah. and so you like, kept it right <laughs> so like that is one of the reasons why like in my opinion rakdos game is such a powerhouse of a deck is we've always talked about in magic in general like play decks that get free wins 
and Racto Scam just gets free wins where you have a shitty hand, you have to mulligan. I mean, there's you keep shitty sevens sometimes where you got three lands, an off, you know, a, a kind of situational spell and two other spells that are important, and they take those two spells, and it's like, oh, cool, I have a shitty useless spell and three lands. Yeah, you left me my disenchant. Thanks. So, like... <laughs> I'm not surprised at all to see something like... I kind of expected to see Rakdos Scam or maybe something like Living End make it to the top eight. Just those um, so out-of-the-blue game-is-over decks. Maybe maybe something like Cascade, but I wasn't as I wasn't as hot on Cascade going into it. Um, the deck is strong and consistent, but I wasn't as hot on it. I, I really like something very combo-oriented like... Um, like Rakdos Scam, or maybe like Yogmoth. Yogmoth has that just I win button. You get to those decks that you get to go from a position of there is no chance in hell I ever win this game to you draw two card two bangers in a row and the game is done. It is over. And you know that's we see Rakdos Scam coming in first place, followed up very closely by Christian Kelcano. I'm going to say everybody's name here because this is the Pro Tour. Uh, Christian Kelcano with Mono Green Tron. As far as a Tron deck goes. Um, nothing crazy going on here. We did trim on the seven mana Karns. We're down to only two seven mana Karns for the full four mana Karns, or full four of four mana Karns, a couple Worm Coils, a couple Olamogs. Um, beyond that, though, Plenty playing with some rings. of those. What was that? Plenty of the one ring. Got three of them in the main and one in the side. Oh, of course, yeah. Like, yep. that card's just bonkers. Um, other than the one ring, some tampering with the uh, Karn liberated seven mana Karns numbers. I also don't see much going on in here. And to be honest, guys, I'm not expecting to see a ton of crazy innovation in these decks because it's the Pro Tour. Like, unless the meta gets broken wide open, which, to be honest, doesn't happen much anymore in the world of Magic. There's too much online. Like, you you don't show up to the... You don't fly to Barcelona for the Pro Tour with your spicy brew. Or your... There's no fun-ups. We don't have room for fun-ups Unless you're anymore. John Finkel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But so I don't expect to see too much crazy, and this Tron list kind of follows that line of like a very con- very concise, very standard Tron list with a very straightforward Karn wishboard in the side, from Sundering Titan and Cityscape Leveler down to the Tormod's Crypts and Engineered Explosives. So and next up, we basically have two fourth place lists. They did they knocked knocked out in the semifinals. We have another Mono Green Tron list, piloted by Simon Nielsen. Um, this looks very very similar even one less karn liberated uh for a walking ballista in the main board a couple dismembers warping whale and then another wishboard uh probably the most interesting here is phyrexian metamorph showing up in the wishboard here i don't think christian had a metamorph in his now obviously phyrexian metamorph can hit anything but matt what do you think you're going to be targeting with your phyrexian metamorph well i know what i would i know what i'm hoping to hit with a four mana spell I mean, there's a ton of big shit, but, like, the the obvious ones would be you've got the ring. So if you don't have one, getting... Especially, so if you look at the uh, uh, the eight shit, um, I'm thinking of... So when I do this, I'm thinking of uh, other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Um, obviously, Worm Coil Engine. Like, if you have a Worm Coil Engine, just making a second one. You yep. could very easily do that. Very strong. Uh, but I'm thinking, when I think of copying stuff, I my first instinct always goes to, I want to effectively steal something awesome that my opponent is playing. Yep. So, like, if, uh, for example, the, the list that doesn't have, it's got four one rings in the main, you can use that to get your own one ring. Yes. Um, now, keep in play. mind, do we, now, let me double check, do they have a one ring in their side? No, they've got, they've got all four in the main, in the gotcha. one I'm looking yes. at. 
Okay. And that's what I was saying is like, so like if you don't have yours and they have one out, you can get the metamorph and get yep. that. And you, you again, can copy only their pay three ring. for it. You can copy their one ring. I mean, there's all kinds of shit. Like, so there's something else that I was thinking of when I was like, well, um, whether you have a one ring in the side or not, like this deck has, uh, didn't have, yeah, had all four in the main. Um, what's the, you know, if you don't want to die to your one ring, your Karn, the great creator, can go get a Phyrexian Metamorph that will then reset your one ring for you. Mm-hmm. Which is a very clutch play, in my opinion. That's yeah. The one ring is very much a double-edged sword, and I've seen plenty of games where, you know, just uh, you're against, aggressive, uh, against an aggressive opponent, you do draw, you know, three or six cards. And, like, it just, you don't draw what you needed. And you need to get rid of the ring. Well, Phyrexian Metamorph... First, it will get you there. Now, it doesn't get you the protection, which is kind of fucking rough, but it does get rid of the ring. On top of, like you said, it just steals everything amazing. It doubles up your... Uh, it doubles up, gets you an extra worm coil engine. Is it permanent? Uh, it's... Uh, artifact or artifact creature. Artifact or creature. So, yeah, you can get another worm coil engine. You can get any of your myriad of uh, artifacts, like maybe an extra Oblivion Stone, or most likely some bonker shit your opponent has done. Yeah, well, I mean, the the other against, elephant uh, in the room, so to speak, would be like Archon. Like they do some say, like, shenanigans. Be pretty you good steal against an Archon. Archon. Yeah. yeah, your Archon kills their Archon, draws you a card, right. all kinds of shit. Yeah. Um, the rest of it's gonna go pretty quick, guys. We do have an Amulet Titan also in fourth place. Simul- Simic Titan, pulling it up. Uh, for uh, sorry, only two Mycosynth Gardens, which is, in my opinion, an interesting choice. I think this deck's most powerful turns are gonna revolve around. Turn one gardens into tight or into uh, amulet, and then turn two make a copy of amulet, play a land for four mana, and then you can easily get to um, prime time from there. I mean, you play a you play a land four mana, play a grazer down to three, play a land up to seven. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of surprised to see the Mycosynth gardens trimmed down to only two, but we do have a Slayer stronghold sun home combination here to end the game. You know, Titan comes in game is over we win the game yeah beyond the trimming of mycosynth gardens um and the addition of a single Vesu- or not vesuva two valakuts is there anything in here you see particularly interesting obviously we have four of the one ring probably one yeah, of the most played cards yeah that's what i was gonna say i was a little wishy-washy as to whether i thought this deck should run the one ring because to me it, like it feels weird prime time Primetime feels like enough. I, clearly, I'm wrong. I mean, the motherfucker just yeah. top eight in the Pro Tour. Um, like, so, but you like, think, I just, like, I, the deck is about accelerating to six, not to four. Like, the deck doesn't really accelerate to four super well. Now, obviously, like I just said, the, the line I just gave where, you know, two ty- two lands or uh, two amulets into a land gets you the one ring. But it just, like, the deck isn't going for four mana. The deck is going for six to eight mana. Yeah. But it does give you, like, the fact of the matter is... The One Ring's probably the, one of the best cards in Modern, and like, if you're not casting Primetime in this deck, what other card do you want to be casting? That's true. Because sometimes, because sometimes, the, I mean, the fact of the matter is, sometimes you this happens with these kind of decks, like ramp decks. You have all ramp and nothing to cast. Yeah, that's a very so, good point. Like, and you do need a critical mass of like bombs. So, and the One Ring is a pretty good bomb, it and it's one of those should cost six. <laughs> like we've <laughs> talked about, like you know, if you're not going to play the One Ring, you need a very good reason why. Yep. So, like, if you're not going to play Ragavan, you need a good reason. It was kind of counterintuitive to me. Like, it, it just doesn't seem like the game plan that Titan wanted to do, especially this list, because, like, yeah. oh, they even have the Slayer Stronghold in the Fortress. To so, credit. like, they're clearly trying to win it quickly. So I don't forget. This is Dominic Harvey with his Amulet Titan list who came in also fourth place. 
yeah so um but yeah uh i'm a very big uh as far as magic goes data-driven person so like yep got this one wrong and that's that's the Uh big thing i wanted to mention is because i remember talking you and i talking about this and i was just like I don't know. I, that to me kind of seems like you're just going to be spinning your wheels more. I think it's going to be index that want the game to go long, and Amulet Titan doesn't want the game to go long. Uh, clearly, they want the game to go. This goes long enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, and to be fair, it does buy you a turn. So like that is something that I think does enter the calculations quite a bit. So something probably worth mentioning about this sideboard. We do have favorite of Matt's Terra Sunder. Two Terra Sunders in the side. Yep. It's a fucking fantastic card the card's really really good but let's bump on over to the rest of the meta which is gonna be really quick we've got um another mono green tron list from javier De- uh dominguez wow my brain just shut off javier dominguez um which we already went through sorry about that and then we've got three teamier rhino lists that wrap up our top eight any uh, old school magic players will recognize kai buddha Yep. So. We've got Kai Buddha, we've got Marco Del Pivo, and Stefano Vinci. Uh, let's take a peek at these Rhinos lists to see if there's anything super spicy in them. In the first list, I do see one card that is exactly the card I expected to see, and I know exactly what it's for. Do you see it in the creatures? Uh, there's the Questing Beast. Yes. Um, is, yep. Do you know what Questing Beast does? It does a lot of things, but the relevant one? Uh, let me see here. So... What do you got in mind? Mine is, uh, I'm just looking at this, like, there's not a ton of fucking planeswalkers. Damage cannot be prevented. The one ring gives you protection from everything. Oh, gotcha. Questing beast. It's, it's, it's by no means was it a secret. Um, it was tech people were talking about as soon as the one ring came out and a way to fight the one ring is with something like questing beast so that you can, you can basically let them slam their ring and well, well, you know, I had the one turn I need and yes, still attack and still force through the damage to kill them. Yeah, cool. Other than that, um, a couple Lorien revealeds allow you know helping boost that mana va- or that uh, those land counts to make sure everything gets cast. On top of you know worst case scenario, I was talking about this with Asphalt like like worst case scenario is just a draw three, and there's gonna be there's gonna be games. You know you play a thousand games where it's turn eight and we both just draw go draw go, and one of us is gonna draw and go cool uh, draw three cards. Yeah, and That's the like, other is gonna draw land. Yep. Because so that's like, that's the alternative. Yeah. So if you if you don't mind having an extra, basically like a tapped land in your deck or a, like a tap, a, more like a tap fetch land, like Lauren Revealed is a very very strong card. All the cyclers yep. are actually. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Marco Del Pivo. Uh, we do have a Fury and extra subtleties in place of those questing beasts. So no way to force that damage through the one ring. Other than that, though, I don't see much different going on in the main board. And I'm not fine-tooth, fine-tooth combing these uh, sideboards, really. But uh, we do have a commandeer. There's one commandeer. <laughs> we yep. do have that commandeer in the sideboard. Uh, I, didn't take a, I didn't take a very good look at the other one. Do they? Yeah, so no no commandeer for uh, Kai Buddha. And then wrapping yeah, up our... the next one has commandeer as well. Our last deck, another commandeer, uh, Teamer Rhino's deck, uh, rocking two Fury over any questing beasts, which... Unfortunately, while it did carry Buddha to the top eight, did not get him past the uh, quarterfinals. That's quarterfinals, right? Quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Yeah. The uh, uh, the questing beasts are in the side, so like oh, still I didn't on the questing beasts. Yep. I, d- I did not see those questing beasts in the side. So hedging the bets a little bit against the ring decks. Yep. So 
which makes sense to me. Like, I honestly, I would probably side him rather than. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess the one rings in. At that point, it's a fucking coin flip. They're in forty-five percent of decks. Yeah, so you're like, going to see a lot of rings. And like a deck like mean, Rhinos, like sure. that's very much the the one turn you get from the one ring is the one turn you need to not lose the game. Yeah. So metagame summary for our Pro Tour in Barcelona, bringing in nineteen point three percent of the metagame. Fifty-two decks in total. Rakdos scam showed up in force. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of well known that Rakdos Scam is one of the best, you know, just most consistent, most powerful decks in the format. In a in a format like Modern, where you know turn one wins aren't nearly as common, it very much poses pseudo turn one wins. The oh, yeah. uh, the ability to just turn one in a deck, especially in games two and three, when you know you're not playing against much removal, just slam a four four Fury with double strike, and then the other every other game where. You know, double thought sees into a four three with menaces. Just so difficult to recover from sometimes. Well, especially because like, so the first thing you do a lot of games is just grab their answer to your grief. It's yeah, like, it's, it's oh cool. So <laughs> you've got one answer in here for grief and yep. a threat. Cool. And, I'm gonna take your answer and take your threat. Like, you can eat and you you can always avoid the blowout because you just stack the triggers so that you get to look at their hand first and sacrifice grief second. Yeah. And so, like, you can look at their hand and go, oh, cool, you only have one answer? Discard the answer. Okay, now I'm going to undying grief. Or, oh, you have two answers? Okay, well, I'll take one of them, and I'll probably let grief die, and then we'll play around that the rest of the game. Yeah. Next up, we do have four or five-color Omnaths, 34 decks, 12.5% of the meta, followed very closely by Crashing Footfalls with 10% of the meta. Mono Green Tron, 9%. We do have Other with seven, so a 19, just kind of off-the-wall decks. Uh, 6% of the meta was Demir Control, which is kind of interesting in that we haven't really seen a ton of Demir Control in uh, the Modern Challenges. That's a little a little newer. Um, just kind of pulling one up at random. This deck seemed to be kind of built around, you know, Subtlety, uh, Sheldrid, Murktide Regent, Bowmaster, maybe a Snapcaster here or there, and then just a bunch of controly spells like Fatal Push, Counterspell. Archmage's Charm, you know, stuff like that. And of course, four of the One Rings. Uh, we did have Yawgmoth yeah. combo, including, I know Aspiring Spike was there playing Yawgmoth with 5% of the meta, 14 decks. What'd you got there, Matt? You know how badly your Pioneer Control deck needed Lorien revealed? <laughs> that would solve so many <laughs> yeah. of your fucking problems. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, would, it would take care of... To be able to go turn one Island Cycle into Dual Land... Or uh, try land for a turn. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. look at the fucking curve on this control deck, and it's running twenty lands. I know because of this card. <laughs> yep, and I will never, I will never get that in Pioneer. Nope. Never. Uh, we got four percent for Living End and Burn, and then we got now we're down to like three percent. So you know, a bunch of bunch of threes and twos percent. I mean, it, the the metagame was obviously very wide for a tournament this this big, as much as you know. Asmo Food, we have that Lannis combo from last week showing up, Affinity was there, Gorio Through the Breach, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Most played see, cards. Was, oh, go ahead. Well, well, the only thing I wanted to check, was there anything that was, there was only one of that, like, top 16 Because that's that'd be the a little standout. Thopter combo did uh, was only two decks. Merfolk fucking got 10th, or 11th, and there's only one Merfolk deck. That's pretty sweet. Now, it's, it's kind of hard good. to say it got, like, 10th or 11th. Um, it's a little... Well, I mean, well, it's, I guess with yeah. Breakers, it's prob- it probably is accurate with Breakers, isn't it? I don't know. It went... But it's 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 8 and 2 with yeah. one fucking copy. Which, and that. here's something worth no- worth noticing. 8 and 1 wasn't good enough to guarantee top 8. Yeah. 
there's a Rakdos scam deck from Kazoon Kasaka that went eight and one in the Swiss. Now, don't forget, I believe, I think, don't don't your um, to top eight contention also matters how you did in draft, right? Or does that only matter for day two? Couldn't fucking tell you. I can't remember exactly how it's structured. It's possible that how you did in draft kind of plays into who gets top eight because there are, I believe, there were two drafts involved in this pro mm-hmm. tour. But regardless, like the fact that you can go eight and one at a Pro Tour event and it's not good enough to top eight. This, this was a tough, tough competition. So the other thing I did want to bring up so while we're still on just the metagame as a whole is, you know, last week I was talking about decks that like we haven't seen before or haven't seen in a while because um, it's actually kind of a topic on our Discord as well. Uh, is just cards that could be unbanned. So, like, there's nothing related to Storm on here at all. Yep. Um, I know it was kind of a joke, but, like, when we were talking about, like, Eldrazi Winter last week, uh, there's no Eldrazi on this list at all. Um, like, there's there's no, like, r- there's one tribal deck. So you got uh, Merfolk. So, like, you could very easily probably bring Glimpse back and maybe have an elf deck. Yeah. You could, you know, I mean, there's, there's cards that could probably come off the ban well, list. We have hope. And we have a ban announcement coming in a week, actually in like three days. Yeah. So it was what the sixth, right? Monday. Yep. It's coming Monday. Yeah. So yeah, I got or, your finger, got my fingers well, crossed. The sixth, yeah. So that'd be the seventh because, uh, Sunday's the sixth. Okay. So whatever. <clears throat> the, yeah. I yeah. believe no, this coming just, Monday. Yeah. Yep. Seventh. Unless you're listening to this in the, in the future, in which case it, you missed it. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up, Matt. We are creeping up on that hour 20 minutes, so we'll have a nice normal length podcast for us. Or, you know, the equivalent of two and a half podcasts of everybody else. Right, or four, depending <laughs> on what you want. Most played cards this week. We had The One Ring showing up with 450 copies, 45% of decks, followed immediately by Orcish Bowmasters in 40% of decks with 413 copies. The... The the pseudo uh, non rotating format has has by far the most common deck cards are uh, came out three weeks ago. Yeah, so that's a thing. Uh, third, Fury, then Chalice of the Void and Thoughtseize. Uh, top creatures, obviously, Orcish Bowmasters, followed closely by Fury and then Endurance. Look at this subtlety. I, well, I was going to bring that up. Subtlety is the eighth most played card. Fourth most played creature, eighth most played card, the runt of the litter, subtlety. That's pretty cool. Fucking called it. Yes. <laughs> yep, you nailed that a hundred percent. and then still probably only ten bucks. Dude, <laughs> there were more subtleties than ragavans. Nice. And then oh, top fucking subtleties up to twenty six bucks. Fuck. There you go. Yeah. I called it. I yes, still you did. Don't, you know, whatever. Well, but. I I ended up trading mine in. I think I traded them. I think I made a little money on them. But I traded them in when I did that kind of mass sellout. But yeah, you nailed mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then top spells, the One Ring, Chalice of the Void, sixty-eight percent of decks, Chalice of the Void. Obviously, all of that is <laughs> yep. sideboard, but still, uh, Thoughtseize, Force of Negation, and Ley Line Binding. That brings us to the end of our meta game for the, you know, once a year, once in a, once in a long time, uh, Pioneer or Pioneer, Pro Tour Modern event. Matt, as we kind of wrap this episode up for us, not for past Jake, um, we do have a ban announcement coming up, and there's been a lot of hullabaloo. You know, the One Ring kind of underperformed as far as people kind of expected. Be- Honestly, what people expected was to have, like, six of the top eight be One Ring decks. And, you know, now we're looking at more like three, two or three. 
So we uh, we've got a band announcement coming on Monday. The last theoretically the last time we're going to be discussing bands with Watsy until next August. What do you think in 20 words or less? What do you think is going to happen? No changes. I agree 100%. No change. I think um, I think Watsy and sadly modern and legacy to be You know, Watsy for sure does not want to band ban any of the cash cows from their new packs. And they're going to be making these packs well past Christmas. They've, we already know that for a fact. They've talked about it. These packs are going to be available for a long time. They very much do not want to ban anything out of Lord of the Rings. The only cards really probably bannable in Modern or Legacy are probably going to be Lord of the Rings cards. And I don't see any data in the Pro Tour that you know strongly backs banning a, 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 a card. And just from what we've seen in Legacy, I doubt they're going to jump in and ban Orcish Bowmasters just because of the incredible diversity it sees play in. Like, I see plenty of data that could justify a ban. I mean, the fact of the matter is that you could very... E- like, if if the One Ring was banned tomorrow, there I don't think there'd be any fucking argument against it. It's yeah. in 45% of decks. Sure. Yep. And it's not like it's some, you know, it's not like Thoughtseize or fucking Lightning Bolt, which is just a generic card. It dictates, not that Lightning Bolt doesn't like dictate the format a little bit, but to be to be perfectly honest, I think Fury does more than Lightning Bolt anymore. Yeah. Well, it's um, one of those, like, the game revolves around it. It's one of those cards re- that... absolutely revolves around the ring. And to be honest, the, the Bowmasters thing, the Bowmasters would probably fuck right off in Modern once you got rid of the ring. Yeah. Like that, there's just not enough. It's not good enough. There's no Brainstorm. And ponder yep. to be like pinging people on, or glimpse or grizzlebrand. Like there's like half a dozen decks. Like there's half a dozen. There's like a dozen cards in fucking legacy that get abused that draw extra cards, right? Yep. So like, the bowmasters is just it, like we've said earlier. It's kind of the world's biggest duh in legacy. Uh, modern, I think it's just a reaction to uh, the ring. Yep. One hundred percent. I agree. One hundred percent. So yeah, I agree. I I foresee, but I expect no, no changes. changes. Yep. Yeah, but because I mean, one last thing, and this is one of the biggest critiques I had, and I don't remember if I mentioned it or not. But one of the problems with the universes beyond thing is so the card that is the problem in modern, if you want to call it a problem, is literally the thing that the entire fucking property is based around. So like, what like. I guarantee you, when they sit down to have a ban announcement, they're going to be like, are we really going to ban the ring from yep. the Lord of the Rings set? Yeah. The- like, doesn't that kind of, like, fuck us a little bit when we're trying to push these, like, ultra-rare ring copies, the numbered and shit like that? Or are we really yep. going to ban our one chase card that's, like, the most legendary yep. fucking thing? Like, of course they're not. No. I mean, I, they I may. I but, there, like, I expect no changes. I think, you know, something could have happened that would have caused that. I don't think that happened. Um, to end here, to, to, to end this part of I it's kind of weird because I'm going to be talking for another hour to everybody. But did you hear who bought the One Ring? Uh-uh. Post it, Malone. Uh, what's his face? Oh, yeah, it, as soon as you said that and I thought about it for just a second, I, that's who what's yep. the face I was thinking of. Yeah, I believe so. I believe Post Malone bought it for a somewhere between $2.2 and $2.6 million. So, at the very least, yeah. um, obviously, like, we know that Post Malone, at least on paper, is a huge advocate of the game and, and does really enjoy playing Magic. So I'm actually kind of happy that it like just some a hyper baller who loves Magic got to you know live his dream with it instead of it getting put you know in some dude's mansion or I mean I guess it did get put in some dude's mansion. Well, I was but, gonna say it is in some dude's mansion, but like it's not like you know it's not the pride and joy of some card shopper. It's a 
person who loves yeah. magic got to live his dream and buy the most expensive magic card ever made. For, well, and he made somebody rich. For what it's <laughs> like, worth. Yeah, yeah. For, for whoever, whoever pulled worth. that. Yeah, whoever fucking pulled that out of the pack sure loves Post Malone. I guarantee yeah. you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, so. I, is... I was genuinely shocked they didn't cede that to somebody. To so like, like oh, me too. Creator or whatnot. I had no faith so. whatsoever in Watsy. Yep. So, Matt, as we wrap up um, the recording of this episode and hand it on over to Pass Jake, is there anything else you wanted to talk about this week? Nope. Fuck Pass Jake. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's the only thing I got to say. <laughs> then, Pass Jake, over to you. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, this would be uh, Pass Jake reaching out to future Jake or however the time stuff works. But I am here with a good friend, patron, and a very competent magic player. We've got Chris coming in from the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy Open. Uh, took a cruise to the top four, correct? That is correct, yep. Yes, and uh, well, as soon as uh, they are luckily in our Discord, and as soon as uh, I saw how well they did, I reached out immediately, and I said, uh, Chris, we've got to get you on the podcast. We've got to talk about this deck and how your day went. So, Chris, give us a rundown. Uh, what do you do? What got you into Magic? What deck did you play? Anything you want to tell us. So, yep, I'm Chris. I am uh, an engineer during the day and a Magic nerd during the night. Um I've been playing Legacy since about 2021. It was one of those things where as the pandemic was kind of starting to close down, but you still really couldn't get out and do a bunch of stuff. My friend was like, hey, do you want to buy a Legacy deck and come play games at my house? Because we've been playing Commander together for a while. And I was like, you know what? That seems fun. And I put together Grixis Delver at the time. And this was before some of the more broken blue-red stuff came out, so it was on uh, Gurmag Anglers and Liliana's. But I just really fell in love with the the Wasteland Days portion of the Legacy format, and I guess that shows with the performance I had this past weekend. So you're one of those people. Oh, yeah. Proudly so every well. <laughs> every week, people, I... I I would never ban Wasteland Days, but my gosh, I hate playing against Wasteland Days. Um, we definitely saw a couple weeks there where, like, you know, Delver didn't really show up very much in the format, and the format did go a little crazy. So the the police of the format is kind of important. So I'm I'm glad we've got some some respectable players out there who are keeping people honest when it comes to you know their mana bases and their their spells. Yeah, as much as sometimes it looks like Delver is the villain, sometimes we're doing God's work and, you know, we're, we're, yes, we're yes. helping the format by keeping the nonsense in check. Yeah, it, it Delver, Delver decks definitely have a role to play. And it is really cool to see um, the just like huge resurgence of Grixis Delver, like a true Grixis Delver list with the addition of Bowmasters, you know. And Matt and I aren't terribly in love with the uh, Lord of the Rings set and all that, but one of the things I was really happy about was, like I said, to see Delver branch off into something off of Blue-Red Delver and truly into a Grixis list, not just for Snuff Out, but like maybe some cards like, hypothetically, Knight's Whisper or, um, uh, what's that, Plague Engineer in the side, stuff like that, some true black cards. So and that being said... Uh, sorry, the thing I really no. like about uh, having Bowmasters fueling Grixis Delver 
is now it feels like there's really a choice with your Delver deck again, where you could go green to have Tarmogoyf and then Minxkin Boo and kind of go over the top of other Delver decks while still being your Wasteland days. Um, I was playing that to some moderate success before I switched over to black. And then you can still go blue-red uh, Delver. I've seen people doing okay locally with the blue-red with Sprite Dragon and Invasion of Tarkir. And while that's yep. a little bit clunky, it is quite powerful when you're doing the thing. So now mm -hmm. instead of the year we had of, yes, it's blue-red, you're playing six Volcanic Islands, and if you're not, you're probably wrong. And now there's actually some real give and take again, which I've been yes. thoroughly enjoying. Yep. That's, we talked about like the idea that, you know, Delver having even a larger meta share is a little more okay if it's at least split among two or three Delver decks. Like you said, a Tarmogoyf Delver deck, a Sprite Dragon Delver deck, and a true Grixis Delver deck. It's, it's a lot easier to stomach having a really Delver heavy meta if there's at least a decent bit of variety and variation in the decks. And we're definitely seeing that now. Yeah, and that, that's been enjoyable to play as well because, you know, the Delver Mirror, even though it's a mirror match because you're playing the same core of cards, you know, they've got some threats. If they resolve a Tarmogoyf against you, it's got six toughness, and you're just like, what, what do I do mm -hmm. now? It's Murktide or Bust. And then, you know, yep. sometimes in green they can hate your graveyard out. It's a little bit less common, but I have seen it, so... You know, it gives you some options. And then also, let's not forget that people are playing Jeskai Delver, thanks to fourth Aerolingus. So yes, you could true. play blue red with any color that you want and have a pretty solid Delver deck right now, which, you know, as a wasteland gamer, I really enjoy. Yep. So speaking of, you know, a wasteland gamer of choices, you always had a lot of choices in the deck you chose to register. So let's run through uh, just real quick. What did you bring to the tournament? You know, what were your flex slots? What were your last minute additions? And how'd you feel about the cards? So, you know, I've got the core of my four DRCs, Ponders, Brainstorms, Forces, Dazes, um, a pretty standard mana base. My fetch lands are technically suboptimal because I didn't have two of all of them to fetch blue, but that's because I only mm. had so many old bordered fetch lands with me. So, you know, <laughs> you got to have some give and take there. Yeah, yeah, it's understandable. Yep. And then to round out my threats, I ended up going with three Delvers, three Orcish Bowmasters, and three Merktides, along with one Brazen Borrower as a uh, kind of flex slot main deck removal spell that's also a threat. Um, mm -hmm. Brazen Borrower specifically, I had heard that there's a lot of depths that goes around at Buffalo Chicken Dip. Mm. Um, so I wanted to have something in the main board to answer a turn one, turn two Merit Lage because... I'm pretty much stone cold dead to that if I don't have my one of Brazen Borrower that I can find quickly. Um, and then I respected that with a second one on the sideboard. But the remainder... That's a lot of respect. Yes. It's, uh, it's definitely a card that if you don't see it, you're not terribly upset to have a Brazen Borrower floating around. But if you don't have the Borrower, then you're very sad to see your depths. Mm -hmm. Um but then for my flex slots that are a little bit different than what people have been playing in Grixis Delver. So a lot of people have been on Sauron's Ransom recently, which is the uh, new blue-black Factor Fiction-esque effect. I yes. opted to go with Knight's Whisper instead of Sauron's Ransom as that two-of slot, um, partially because Sauron's Ransom is blue. 
So while it's got the upside of pitching to your force of will, it's also got the downside of getting hit by the four pyroblasts that everybody is bringing in against you. And yep. in that late game top, top deck situation, I just couldn't afford to have my card advantage spell to try to claw back in, um, get pyroblasted. You know, that's just something okay. that yeah. I, I was not going to deal with. And uh, it ended up working out quite well because, as a little bit of a spoiler, I played against Four Color Control four times in my seven matches that I actually played. Um, oh, wow. So I saw a lot of Pyroblasts going around, and I was very happy to have my Night's Whisper in that situation. Yeah. So you, de- you nailed that meta call. Because like, a lot of people would look at that and go, I mean, there's obviously huge upgrades and downgrades to you know a three-mana instant that pitches to force versus a two-mana sorcery. Both of them are going to effectively be getting you two cards most of the time. Your opponent does get some more information when it comes to, you know, Sauron's Ransom, but that, that's something that's easy, easy to overlook is the, like, you know, hey, pitches to force, also loses the Pyroblast, and that's a hell of a meta call to just nail in the blue. Yep, and then it's also, it's got the small upside of being a sorcery, which is usually bad, but when your main threat in the early game is Dragon's Rage Channeler... Having the sixth sorcery to get into the graveyard because a lot of your bad matchups are playing exile based removal. So your creatures mm-hmm. don't end up in the graveyard. So you're putting a lot of weight on those Mishra's baubles to kind of help you get delirium. Yeah. And the additional sorceries, I think, helped me get delirium a bit quicker. Got um, you. Definitely something I would not think about as a non Delver player that. You know, really keeping track of the amount of sorceries in the deck to help pad out that Dragon Rage Channeler slot. And you, you saw that a lot in some iterations of Blue Red Delver, where they were playing a Chain Lightning instead of an Unholy Heat, where, uh, you know, Unholy okay. Heat's got a lot of upside later, but Chain Lightning is one that goes to the face, which is kind of Delver's whole MO, but also the extra yep. sorcery I found quite helpful when that was happening. Okay, okay. And then to round out up- my removal. Uh, I had one snuff out instead of the normal two. uh, And that was a Mm -hmm. nod to Bowmasters, which I didn't see very much, but I was expecting to see an absolute ton of it. And there was a lot of it floating around in the room. I just happened to dodge a lot of those matchups, which actually makes me sad because Bowmaster mirrors are fun. Uh, It's a lot of complex decisions that have to go into two Bowmasters on the board. Yes, uh, especially when you're sitting there with a brainstorm and a snuff out, and you're like, ah, mm. this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? There's one more card in here I see that I know you've been saving to the end. It's a huge fan favorite of mine. We were, I know we were going crazy in the Discord all day long. You you both registered this card and had some amazing moments with it. So my what? two additional flex slots were the two stifles that I decided to put in at about 11 o'clock the night before the tournament. And I was like, you know what? I think this is stifles weekend. And my man packing <sighs> his stifles ready to wreck people's days. And it ended up paying dividends right in the very first round because you cannot wasteland basic planes but you sure no. as heck can stifle a flooded strand. And man, oh. does it feel good when that happens? For one of us, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, the number of times I have walked in. I said, I love Stifle. It's very, very commonly agreed to be a bad card in the Legacy community, at least at like high-level play. But it's a, it's a bad card that just sometimes is phenomenal. And 
you know, as anyone who knows, once you walk face first into a few stifles, that card is debilitating sometimes. Yep. And the the kind of relationship that I have with stifle is it will sit in my binder and I'll be flipping through tweaking my sideboard for a weekend. And I, it's just like, Hey, not this weekend, buddy, but you'll, you'll see your time again. It's, it's just not yep. right. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? These are coming out of the binder. It's time to sleep these bad boys <laughs> up again. That is awesome. I'm so happy that stifle not only made it into the list, but like made it into the top eight, the top four, and performed well. It wasn't one of those cards like, yeah, you know, I had it in the deck. You know, I, p- I pitched it to Force, never cast it. No, I, from what I remember, Stifle was getting stuff done. I won several games off of the back of Stifle this past weekend. It was pretty incredible. One of my opponents actually stopped me after uh, round three, and he's like, hey, man, I had a Supreme Verdict in my hand for the whole game while you were beating me down with a Bowmaster and a 1-1, and you stifled my <laughs> second White Source, and I couldn't cast it. And I was just like, that. oh, you should not have told me that, because now nobody can ever get me to not register this card again. I know, man. That's, like, a card's amazing. It's so, especially, like, Legacy and Magic in general, on top of hitting Fetchlands, which I don't, I don't know if you exclusively hit Fetchlands for the day, but like just, it hits so much. Everything in Magic is ETB or activation or it just everything stifle that matters, stifle hits. It's so good. Yep. We'll get into a few key stifle moments later because... Um, uh, my friend was watching over my shoulder for both of them. He's like, no way did you just pull that off. Um, and then I'll just quickly run through my sideboard. It's nothing too crazy, but it is a little bit out of the ordinary. So I had one Plague Engineer, the additional Brazen Borrower that I talked about, um, one Rough Tumble to have a little bit of respect for creature decks because whenever you go to a big paper event, there's going to be people that are playing their their creature decks that they've had for 15 years and they love them and you can pry them out of their cold, dead hands. And I didn't feel comfortable having no answer to that. So, you know, the one of in your ponder brainstorm deck is pretty easy to find. Yeah, I I never go to a tournament and uh, do don't pack something like end the festivities or pyroclasm like pyroclasm is kind of my favorite. Like I always have a little right for me because Matt plays elves and he's just ingrained into me that someone here is going to be playing elves. And like I don't leave home without a pyroclasm. Yeah, when you see the foil Gaia's Cradle hit the table, you're like, thank the lord that uh-huh. I have a pyroclasm in the sideboard. Because not only are yep. they on elves, but they know what they're doing. Yep. I am I am prepared for this. Yep. And then I've got, you know, your meltdown, your two force negation, your two uh, surgical extractions, one blue blast, three red blast, uh, a null rod, a dress down. And then my other kind of weird inclusion in the sideboard was one of Dismember. Um, mm-hmm. Snuffout's really good until somebody slams a Shieldred or whatever the Swamp Cycling Troll is called. And then you're just uh, looking at that and yeah. you're like, oh, what is my out yeah. to that? And yep, because if they if they get one onto the board, other than um, other than a Brazen Ball or putting it back in their hand, you can't do anything about it, can you? Nope. I, I have two Brazen Borrowers and one Dismember. I'm, I guess I could double bolt, but like at that point, you've Ugh. already lost if you're double bolting a Shouldred. Yeah. Ugh. No. So I never got the opportunity to cast it, but um, I did play against one 
mono black stompy where I theoretically would have liked to have it, but uh, we never got to that point in the game. Gotcha. But that's the list. Okay. Um, Mystic Sanctuary is an awkward card in Delver, and I think with expressive iteration, it was correct. But I think a lot of times I would have rather had a Badlands just to really? be able to get the Bowmaster or the Knight's Whisper off. Um, mm-hmm. I had to mulligan a lot of seven card hands because it was Delver, Days, Wasteland, Force, Blue Card, Mystic Sanctuary. And you're just like, yeah, I can't keep this. If I get Wastelanded, I'm not playing this game. And how many games did you like, or how, how consistently do you feel like you're getting to where you've got, you know, four lands essentially, or four, especially four islands, right? Because you have the Mystic, the Mystic Sanctuary is your fourth island, but you have three islands and you can crack that Mystic to get the value off of it. Um, it came up a few times, but again, I played against four color control four times. So yeah, the games that I didn't just do the Delver thing and it didn't matter whether or not I had the sanctuary to get card advantage. It, uh, you know, I'd never got to the fourth land, but it did come up a few times. Um, okay. It was usually picking up a brainstorm, um, the very occasional hydroblast because, uh, the only thing that was going to kill me at that point was a fourth Erlingus. So just having the clean, here's a pyroblast or here's a, sorry, a hydroblast. Do you have a force yes. of will? And a lot of yep. times they didn't because you take out your forces against Delver. So, you know, it ended up being, being pretty good. Okay. Okay. I've, I've always thought that again with, with exactly like you said, shockingly, um, with expressive iteration, it made sense because you're getting back one of the better cards in your deck. But without without it, Mystic Sanctuary always felt kind of I just shouldn't say felt because it looks like because I don't play Delver, but it always looked clunky to me in these little more more aggressively streamlined get them dead Delvers. Obviously, you're not as streamlined as Blue Red, but like Mystic Sanctuary just always felt like not the direction Delver wanted to go. Where this is that's a long term play. That's something you saw a lot in. You see a lot in you know maybe maybe blue white control or in modern you saw in four color control like the end of game where you're going to be having a ton of land you can reliably use it. Delver always felt like a deck that's going to have you know like two or three lands out maybe total, and so Mystic Sanctuary might be more of a dead card coming from you, someone who obviously knows what they're doing and it actually is still really clutch. Says a lot for the card. Yeah, I mean, there are six islands in my deck. And granted, I've got a bunch of fetch lands, so it's not quite that low. But, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you end up, you know, against control, they wasteland you loam. And you're sitting there like, well, I've got this fetch land and I've got a 3-2 flyer in play. Like, I'm never sanctuarying for anything again. So I'm going to hold the fetch land until I find a brainstorm. And then, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you cross the finish line, sometimes you don't. So... I think in future iterations, I may cut that and just go with a one of Badlands and then correct my Fetchland base, you know, to mm, reflect the, to reflect that change. Okay, okay. So that's the deck that piloted you to a very solid performance. Uh, what did the tournament look like for you? Uh, so round one, um, I was just, you know not really expecting anything to come out of it and just ready to have a good time. And I sit down and it was a basic Island ponder start for my opponent. And I was just like, all right, um, this is some sort of nonsense that I I've played against a lot. Cause one of my best friends is a uh, red band main. So 
played that matchup a ton of times. I, I knew what I had to do. Um, and I happened to have kept a Darcy, Delver, Mishra's Bobble, one land days, and then some other cards that I that I don't remember. But I ended up just putting two threats in play. I uh, dazed his mm-hmm. first towards to plowshares and then was able to cross the finish line game one. Um, I never really felt like I was under any pressure in that game. And then I took out my forces, brought in my blasts, and uh, I actually took out the snuff out and brought in a dress down because um, there are some situations where the Uro attack that's already on the board is what is going to stop me from being able to present lethal next turn. So between the option of snuff out, put it in the graveyard, they just cast it again, or dress down, blank your attack, and then swing for the six damage that I needed to. Um, That was kind of my thought process. I don't know if that's correct. Uh, It never came up, but I did bring in the one dress down to complement my blasts. And then game two, it was the same kind of thing. I just I opened a very aggressive hand. This time I had a DRC and a Bowmaster. Um, and then I was able Oof. to really challenge his removal against my Bowmaster. And all of the while, I'm casting dazes and I'm casting brainstorms and I'm just chucking stuff in my graveyard for Dragon's Rage Channeler. And I got yep. most of the damage with DRC and then, you know, found the Merktide, slammed the Merktide. He had used like two plows and one ending to finally remove my bowmaster, and then by the time the Merktide went down, he didn't have enough time to find another answer. Yep, that so is that, that was a like, pretty clean two like, zero. Matt and I's primary complaint about Merktide: the card is so good, and the reason it is is because like you get in this tough situation of like, do you I do I just let this Bowmaster and, you know, Bowmaster puts a whole new wrench into the equation of like, well, does Bowmaster kill me or limit my resources heavily or do I dedicate to killing it? And then by the time you finally get through, I don't know, the Delver opponent's usually like uh, two mana, seven, seven. And it's like, fuck. Yeah. It's, you yeah, know, by okay. the time, by the time you've whittled them down, they've got 12, yep. 13 life. And you're like, Hey, I've got that four, four uh, Bowmaster because you panic brainstormed. And now uh-huh. I've got an eight, eight Merktide. So, Probably don't yeah. fetch, but I think you have yep. to, and it's it just puts so much pressure on that. You know, if he had a plow, I was out of resources at that point. I had thrown my whole hand at keeping everything alive, but yep. You know, at that point, it was it was fine. Um, yep. Well, unfortunately, way. didn't get to stifle during that match, but <laughs> oh wait, no, I I got one random fetch land. Sorry, um, that was uh, there you go. That was still good though. You know, just the, the hit, psychic hit land, the psychic the damage. Yeah, the, yep. that's that's one that I love about uh, Spike's saying is, the, you know, the psychological damage. It's like, I just yes. stifled your fetch land when I have nothing going on. Do something about it. And yep. Well, there, there was a, there's been a lot of talk recently, especially I don't know if you listen to um, I, um, the uh, Eternal Glory podcast about but how like with, with Bowmaster, you, a lot of our core concepts of how the game of Legacy is played and a lot of our core fundamentals well, stifle like they, they they change. Stifle changes those fundamentals. When you play a game and you realize stifles in the board or in in the deck in any way, like it changes how you play Magic. You have to adjust. And like, I don't know if you experience this, but I know that when I'm playing against when I'm playing against Stifle 
or when I play Stifle, like the way I play or my opponent plays is vastly different once that first Stifle gets cast. And just the way decisions get made, the t- decision trees change so much because the, the fundamental uh, part of this game is different because someone has Stifle in their deck. And the way that I like to think about it during the matches is I now have two cards in my deck making up five total that make your brainstorms worse. Because I've yep. got the Bowmaster, obviously, which does Bowmaster things. But then, yep. you know, as soon as I tap out for a Knight's Whisper, you're going to crack your fetch land right away because you're afraid of me hitting a land and holding up Stifle. So then if you yep. have a Brainstorm next turn, you don't necessarily have the fetch land to use to, to you know, shuffle the bad cards away. So yep. even though I didn't, like, even if I didn't have Stifle in my deck, just you knowing that I did made you fetch in a way that it is not as good as it could have been for you. 100%. And yeah, like I said, you're turning Brainstorm into a card selection tool instead of just Ancestral Recall. And that is a huge downgrade because you have to play around Stifle now. Yep. And that's part of the reason that I love the card. Yep. Um, so, yeah, round round one went pretty smoothly. I went into round two. Um, that was less of oh so i didn't uh yeah round one was four color control i don't know if i explicitly said that um one thing to note is they never found the one ring which i imagine they had to have been playing because i did Mm. see a delighted halfling at one point um but they just never they never cast the ring which i mean man if they cast the ring i would have been in a bad spot because then i don't have my lethal attack and then by the time i even have the chance to they've drawn three cards and you know, things yep. will spiral from that point, but was able to dodge that. Um, round two, um, the first game I opened up, uh, it was a Delver and two lands, a Stifle and a Daze and a couple other cards. So, you know, if we've gathered anything, it's I was drawing really hot so far. Just open up seven card threat days, Stifles. Yep. Um, so, I, you know, I played my Delver. Of course it flipped. No brainstorm, no nothing. Just, you know, never <laughs> didn't have you. it. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> and then, so he had led, I went uh, Valk, Delver, Go. He went uh, Basic Island, Ponder. And then, you know, he was he was looking confident. He was looking smug. Uh, not smug, that's not the right word. But he, he looked like he was like, all right, I'm going to swords this guy. He's not going to know what hit him. And so, yep. turn two, I, I cast a Ponder. I had my second fetch land, and I attack for three. And then he plays his Flooded Strand, and he cracks it. And he goes to, you know, he's, he's trying to get his basic island, that, or his basic planes that I can't wasteland. And I stifled yep. it. And that was when he looked up to me, and he said, Do you have stifle? And I just, oh, I, the world couldn't have yep. stopped me at that point. I was like, yes, I do. Um, so he had... Um, yeah, he, he tried to get his swords, um, and then I was able to get in for quite a bit of chip damage with the Delver. Um, I yep. put a Bowmaster in play at some point. Uh, it wasn't, like, in response to a Brainstorm or a Pond or anything. I think it was just end of turn. Yeah. And then later in the game, I had uh, six power on board between my Bowmaster and my Delver. <laughs> and he went to fetch to get his fourth land. Uh, and this is yep. where I stifled him a second time with my second stifle. Oh, no. And then he just looked so defeated. He brainstormed in response, made my bowmaster bigger, pinged himself for a bunch, didn't find the force that he was looking for. 
And then I was able to cross the finish line, and he just shows me the Supreme Verdict in his hand, and I was like, oh, man, yep. you, everybody's got to stop, got to stop doing this to me. You can't keep telling me about these things. Gosh, just, um, I feel it in my soul when just that, the, the, like, the lead weight of, like, I have a plan, and I'm prepared for this. Fuck. <laughs> it was, I couldn't have scripted it better, and that was... That was when I was sitting in my chair and realizing, like, I think I actually made a good choice, not just a fun choice. Like, Dude, I have been, yeah. I have been getting people good with these stifles. Um, that is awesome. And then game two didn't go as well for me. He uh, he swords my first threat, ending my second threat, and then he snap swords my merc tide, and then I played a bowmaster and he ended it from hand. And then he went coast to coast with a Snapcaster Mage because mm. I boarded out a couple of my bolts and I was just yep. like, not like this. Um, yep. So, you know, I took two damage at a time from my life total of what was it? 31. <laughs> <laughs> just never Good found. old 15 turn clock. And then at that point, uh, you know, I'm playing threats. He's sorting them. He's plowing them. He's just mopping the floor with everything i tried to put out and i was like okay you know what you you, you earned this one you got it yep. good game and then we went to game three um i was able to daze a couple brainstorms um at one point he cast a brainstorm and then he had a fetch land in play and i floated a blue and then dazed it and he did not crack his fetch land to pay for the daze because he was so afraid of getting blown out uh-huh. by stifle and i was it's like yes that is why this card's in the deck. And then he wasn't Did- able to recover. Um, at one point in time, it was late in game three. He had five lands in play. Uh, he had a, I think he had a Tundra, two islands, a plains and a mountain. And so he left up island mountain, or sorry, island plains, cast a Narset. Yep. And then I stifled the Narset activation and swung for lethal. No! <laughs> oh my god. That's Dude, what I texted the list. Discord and was like, my villain arc has, it's completed. Like, I... <laughs> yes! <sighs> and stifle so, is so good. It hits so many things. I, I don't know what it was. Every game I found both of my stifles. It was insane. Like one guy that was like, are you too. running four? And I was like, maybe. You know, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you don't, yeah, exactly. You don't know. I might be. Oh man, that's awesome. Uh yeah, it was so good. Um game 3 or sorry, round 3, I played against another uh Jeskai control. This one was leaning way heavier into dual lands. Um Oof. I think it was because they were trying to support Narset to Fairy, Fourth Aerolingus, uh Supreme yep. Verdict like they had a lot of pips all over the place, um, so I was able to just wasteland them into the dirt uh, in both Prob- game one and game two. Probably, I'm not. I don't know what they were doing, but probably copying Honorog's list because I've been playing that a little bit on arena or on MTGO, and it's it's a four color list that is just like has zero respect for Delver because, like you said, it's it's a delighted halfling, and then all the planeswalkers and all the mana pips. And yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just like you can't play it, off basics when you need no. that many different pips. One hundred percent. So yeah, it's all it's all about fetching fetching. It's like it's got like two of each duel, of yep. the four color combination. And I, I just wastelanded them into it. It, it yep. was there was no mercy involved there. Um, 
I think I at one point I snuffed out a delighted halfling, which felt weird. But I was like, <laughs> the last thing I need you to do is cast an arrow that I can't counter. Yep, hundred percent. Like that's I have already uh, drunk from the punch bowl of delighted halfling and love it. Where it's just like, hey, I'm just gonna throw things into your open mana, and I don't care because you can't counter it. Yep. It's just like, yep, so. here it is. Here's my threat. Do something about it. Do you have exile-based yep. removal for my ring? Oh, you don't? GG. Nope. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> he may as well like, scoop now. Do you know what's a really good card against you? Teferi Time Raveler. Do you have a... Oh, you, oh that's right. You can't counter it, can <laughs> you? Okay, I'm going to plus it. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, Teferi's a beating, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, that card's ridiculous. <laughs> it never should have been printed. Oh, no. Um, I play it a lot in modern, and it's just like I feel like I'm getting away with something that I just shouldn't yep. be. I, I, this feels like cheating. It feels a lot. It feels like one of us gets to play magic, and the other one doesn't anymore. Yeah, the other one's playing Hearthstone. <laughs> See how <laughs> that goes for you. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Um, yeah, so then that was the conclusion of round three, where I was 3-0, and I was just sitting there like, I, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, but that was time they took a full round off for a lunch break, which nice. I think was really nice for the control mages in the room. Um, I had a buddy yeah. that was on lands and he's just like, dude, I went to I went to time or to the 48th minute every single round. Like I have put nothing in my body since this tournament started. Yep. So they did a they had a taco like a build your own taco station type of thing. Um which I would have indulged in, but there was about a hundred hungry magic gamers in line, and I won the <laughs> I won the third round pretty quickly. So I had wandered over to the bar, and I came in. I looked at the line. I was like, "Absolutely not! I'm gonna go order a sandwich from the bar." Um, there you go. Yep. But I think it's a huge shout out to uh, Rob from Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy to you know get food for everybody. That makes it a really nice event. You know, you don't have to leave once you get there. There's hotels on site. There was a bar on site. There was food mm. on site. Like, you're covered. Everything that it you need all in that tournament is good. Um, yep. So at this point, I was and quite nervous, and I, I took advantage of the of there being a bar there because I had never. Usually, what I do in tournaments is I go like one one two one, and then maybe two two, yep. and I'm fighting back to try to make top eight, and then I see that yep. I'm three zero, and I was like, oh no, here come the jitters. Uh huh. Everything, my feeling, what the little voice in my head goes, it's all here for you to lose now. Yep. All, all the opportunity for you to throw it away and fuck it up. Those That's what I start thinking about. Those three rounds don't mean anything yet. Nope. You could, you could just as easily punt the next two games and we're right back where we started. <laughs> yep. Okay. okay. And then speaking so. of punting, let me tell you about round four. All you Delver haters out there will <laughs> love this. So I sat down. My opponent's a nice guy. We're kind of chatting while we're shuffling up. We had been near each other, uh, but I hadn't really seen what he was doing. But he he made mulligan decisions quickly enough that I think he might have known what I was yeah, on. Yeah, uh, he saw you. And so he was on Abzan Depths, and I was unaware. Uh -oh. So he led on Flagstones of Trocare Pass. And I was mm -hmm. like, all right, you know, I'm not worried. Like, what are you going to do, plow my Delver? So I played a Delver. And then yep. I had a daze or something in my hand. And he goes, turn two forest, crop rot, sack the uh, sack the flagstones, get a savannah and a thespian stage. And I was like, oh, uh -oh. no, like I am. I'm dead right now. Like, 
this, this is what is. I was worried about. And then he just goes, Dark Depths, activate, I've got a 2020, go. And I was like, <laughs> this This progressed faster than I thought it would. Like, this did not go as well as I had hoped. But here we are. Yep. So, I, you know, I didn't find my one-off Brazen Bar, or my Delver didn't flip, yeah. you know, never lucky. And then he was able to swing for the, I think he, I think it was turn three by the time he actually turned the Lage sideways, which is still quite fast. Um, yep, that's, but, you that's know, not bad. I had a plan for this. You know, I had a bunch of creature removal for his knights and his, uh-huh. uh, his knights and his, what is that, Elvish Reclaimer is the, yes. is the one yep. mana thing. I had my second Brazen Bar. I was like, all right, I'm ready. And I kept a hand. It was a threat, a force, and then a Brazen Borrower and a Brainstorm, a few other cards. I found a second Brazen Borrower, and then he just didn't put a Depths in play. He put an 8-8 Knight. And a couple three four of the claimers and he endurance to me twice and he just he handed it to me. I think our round was over in like thirteen minutes. Just <laughs> game one, game two, shuffling in between, just done. And I was like, you know what? I needed that to take me take me back down to earth. There you go. Okay. Yeah. But then we were it's chatting late. again. He uh he was a good guy. We were having some fun with it and you know, it made me feel a little bit better. He was the one that eventually went on to win the tournament. Um, so oh, he, shit. he went 5-0 in Swiss and then drew the last two rounds and then just clean sweep of the finals. Um, I think okay. he only lost like three games on the weekend. Like he, yep. he was playing well. He had a good deck. Um, it did kind of physically hurt me when I found out that he had a 63 card main deck, but... <laughs> uh, you know, I had stifled. So who's the real who's the real fool there? I don't know. I mean, like I'm a I'm a big proponent of the like 61 card special or whatever. But 63 is getting a little. That's a little up there. That's a little high. Yeah, as I asked him why afterwards. He goes, I don't know. I wanted the fourth endurance. I wanted the fourth knight. I wanted the Ramanop excavator, and I had Green Sun Zenith. So like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. At least you've at least you thought about it, and you didn't just like throw yeah. three cards in, like how eight exactly. year old me played Yu Gi Oh, where I had a hundred and eight card deck. Like I've got answers to everything. Nobody could be yep. me. That is exactly uh, exactly how I used to play Magic when I was in high school, where it's like, I kind of really want to have this new cool card I opened. Let's just put one more card in there. It's fine. Yeah, just throw it in there. What, what's the worst that can happen? It's it's just one card, right? It's yeah. But having having a plan, having a having a reason behind it, then yeah, I mean, I'm down. I get you. I'm with you. And I like the idea of having the more than sixty card with the Green Sun package because. A lot of the cards in your deck you don't really want most of the time. So it yeah. lets you put these one-of bullets in that are really good when they're good, but you don't want them when they're not. And then you can find them when you need to, because with four Zenith, you're you're pretty likely to find one if you need it. Yes. Yeah, you always... It's, like, it's the... Yeah. And any kind of a tutor like that, you get to just have so many extra copies of so many bullets in your deck. Yep. Which showed with so the that, amount of times I was endurance. And then a Bajuka yep. bot for good measure. Of course. So <laughs> not, round not four even, did not go not your way. Not even tutored for. He played it from hand. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I probably deserve this for all the stifles that I've cast so gotcha. far today. So, so you just have it all, huh? You just get to do, do whatever you want. Okay. And that, that almost made it easier to like handle my first loss of the day. Because it's like it's not even like I misplayed. It's just yeah. he just had 
everything. Like it didn't yep. it didn't really matter. I was ready for the merit lage and then he just had eight other creatures that <laughs> destroyed by hopes and dreams. Yep. I was sometimes you just lose games. Yep. Like and some, it happens some as games part of magic. You just, yep, that's what we're here to do. And sometimes you just lose. And I I knew with the seven round tournament that you know, X1 was still safe. Uh, it was possible yep. that X2 was going to get in. So I was like, all right, well, you know, now I've had a moment to breathe. I'm kind of back to reality. Let's let's get our head back in the game and start playing again. Yep. Uh, and then round uh, five, we're at my opponent. Shocks in a watery grave, cast a thought seize on the play. And I was okay. like, all right, so this is either a doomsday one lander or death shadow. Um, yep. We'll have to see what it ends up being. And he took my days, which made me think that it was a Death Shadow game uh, because yeah. we were going to be dazing and wastelanding back and forth. And that is what happened the whole first game. We were dazing and I was bolting as smaller creatures and, you know, I was force of willing. I was able to uh, daze a reanimate because he tried to swamp cycle and then just played reanimate without playing his land that he swamp cycled mm. for. So I was able we to get a days and there. that was huge for me. Um, yep. I think that's, Oh yeah. Our, that's, that's a punt that's going to end, end the game. Yeah. Especially in a deck where like, we're, you know, we were dazing wastelanding. I got a stifle off at one point. Um, so we were just denying each other resources. And then when the dust settled in game one, he was at nine life with a shadow in play, and I was at like 15 or 16 with a Delver. Mm-hmm. And so I did some quick mental math. I was like, if neither of us play another spell, I win. It is not getting better for me. I'm going to start attacking. Um, yep. And then I was able to get him down to three, and I had a brainstorm. I found the bolt to finish him off. There you go. He would have been able to kill me if he had exactly fetch shock because then his shadow would have been lethal. Um, so I didn't want to wait on the bolt to give him an extra draw step to find a, you know, days or a force or whatever. Oh, anything. Um, yep. So I just said, Hey, here's a bolt. Do you have it? So game two. So I nice. said, okay, uh, my sideboard is not super great against shadow. I mean, I've got the pyroblast. Um, and then I had the, I didn't end up bringing surgical to play against the reanimates because I figured that a fair reanimate is not my fight. And I would rather in, in almost any situation that just be a different card. Hmm. That's either giving me, giving me card selection or, um, you know, I, I tried to fight on the Brazen Borrow axis instead of the Surgical Extraction axis, especially because I was that worried is... about the life totals. But I don't, again, I don't know if that's correct. But, um... Uh, see, that's interesting, because I think I would bring them in. Now, again, I don't play Delver. And one of us, you know, came, went made to the semifinals, and one of us didn't. But, like, I would really be afraid of that troll of Kaza Doom, that 6-5, that I get right... If I Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've only got, um... Dismember to answer. Dismember and borrowers. Like, yeah, yeah. Dismember and borrowers. But again, yeah, like so a borrower, can... it's just like okay. So I just negated my own wasteland, and he put it right back yeah. in the graveyard where he can just reanimate it again. And I paid four life to do it. So yeah, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't the most. Doesn't feel the best. Obviously, better than taking six. You know, six to the face. But like, yeah, I, 
I'm kind of obviously it worked out for you, but I'm kind of surprised that you went you you pri- that wasn't on your list of like, eh, this is a problem. A a, a giant six five. Yeah, black I, I looked at the surgicals and I I just kind of figured that I would be able to fight on a different axis. Um, and one thing that I had kind of identified is. He was a tempo player, but I don't think he was a shadow player because he was a little bit gotcha. reckless with his life total. Um, yeah. Like putting himself at six when I've got two volcanics and four cards in hand. And it's like, oh, yeah. So what are you he, doing, bud? He was he was playing a little fast and loose. So I kind of figured that I would be able to just kind of tempo him and I didn't have to put a bad card in my deck. Um, yep. But in game two, he multi five. Um, and Oof. I kept threat, threat, days, days, wasteland, land. Uh, and it was just oh like, my gosh, all right, yeah. th- this game's over. You should, we should just start this game by being like, reveal hands, <laughs> you know, count. Okay, I lose. Yeah, like I, I dazed his first brainstorm on the play because I was like, if you mold a five and cast a brainstorm oh, yeah. turn one, like that is a sign of weakness. I am taking advantage of that. Yes. Um, he didn't oh, yeah. have the days back, so. Uh, and then I you, I was able to just kind of clean that game up. It yeah. wasn't he. I have been there. He kept the trash hand on the back of Brainstorm. Yep. And that's why you know I, I used to to try to ask you know when do you red blast Brainstorm? Like, you know obviously if they've got one card in hand and it's a Brainstorm and you've got lethal, you pyroblast that card every day yes. of the week. But you know in situations like that where it's like you know. Brainstorm's really, really powerful, but it's not usually the fight. You're trying to fight over whatever they get off the Brainstorm. Yes. But if the Brainstorm found him stabilization, his creatures are bigger than mine. If we go to turn yep. five, six, like he's probably going to get there on me. You know, we both have Merktides. I do have the Red Blast, but, you know, most of his threats are black. So, you know, yep. I have to worry about his Bowmasters and his Death Shadows and his Trolls. Um, I didn't know. I didn't think he was going to have, like, Shieldreds, but, like, maybe he's got Dothies for the mirror. Um, gotcha. So those were all things that I was worried about. Um, but we never really got to see where the game was going to go, which I wasn't upset yeah. about after the yeah. absolute whooping that I had taken the round before. No, I I couldn't agree more with like yeah when you when you smell a little blood in the water like a, some rough mulligan decisions and they open up with brainstorm you are one hundred percent correct that is a sign of weakness that is when you pounce and destroy them and uh, yep a, a, a cheeky daze that takes a relatively bad mold of five into an unplayable four ugh yep and game, it doesn't yeah, hurt that, when that's you're, absolutely uh, game over when your Delver blind flips right after. That that's all. Yeah, nice. dude, uh, I'm getting psychological damage on behalf of your opponents. Uh, it's just, I think my Delver didn't flip the first turn I had it in play twice the whole day. And I cast exactly zero brainstorms to set it up. Sometimes later in the game, I would like cast a ponder, keep a Delver and like, no, I had a brainstorm yeah. on top and cast it. But I had a lot of turn one Delvers that flipped. It was it was <sighs> nice. You're a menace. Yes. A menace to society. <laughs> and then we get to round six, and I kept Valk, Valk, DRC, Baubles, some other cards. And my opponent goes, pregame action. And I was like, uh, don't do it. He puts a ley line in play. Ooh. And I was just like, wow, Ooh. my hand just got so much worse. <laughs> like, Yep. This, this hand is, a, this is a... borderline unplayable now. And then I was able yeah. to brainstorm and shuffle away 
my Merc Tide and one of my DRCs and replace it with a Delver and a Bowmaster? And I was like, ooh. All right. If the day wants me to do well, I will take. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's when when the magic gods reach into your deck and hand you the tools. They're like, hey, you kept a bad hand. Here you are. This, these tools (laughs) will help you later. You basically got to brainstorm into a mulligan. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I would have snap kept this hand too. Like, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. nice. Um, and so, yeah, it was uh, it it was a pretty good game. Um, we went back and forth. He was, I, I was able to force a couple of his scary threats. Uh, I wastelanded a saga. I forced a shieldred, and he had a bowmaster that he cast first. So then I picked mm-hmm. off his bowmaster with my own. And then it was my Delver, Bowmaster, and Token versus his Token and a Dothy Voidwalker. And then he, he traded his uh, Token for my Bowmaster because I recognized that as soon as he lands one of his Shieldreds or another Bowmaster, like, it just gets ugly for me. So I was just put on the gas, and I was able to cross the finish line uh, pretty nicely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, In the face of a pregame action where you kept a hand based entirely off Dragon Rage Channeler. Yep. And I was still just brought like, it home. Oh, feels good, man. Like that that was the 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 pick me up that I needed because that deck definitely scares me because not only yeah. are they a pretty good I won't say tempo deck, but you know, like they've got a lot of ways to deal unblockable damage between their bullmasters, their shieldreds, their Dothy Voidwalker. And then they also just have that, you know, three helm main board, one helm side with Karns. And it's just like, yep, uh, like they can just say, like, hey, I win. Uh, and that's yep. what happened in game two. Uh, we fought. I wastelanded his ancient tomb. He played an ancient tomb. I wastelanded his ancient tomb. He played a city of traders, played a Karn. And I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, both teams fought hard. And then yep. he casts uh, he cast a dark ritual into the helm with one mana up. And I was like. Pretty sure I'm dead because I think Helm has an X on it, but can I look at that just in case? And then, you know, it says X, so I uh, oh, yeah. was deceased. What are you talking about? All you had to do was uh, put one card or put it in your graveyard until you hit one right, one land, right? That's just. Yeah, just that would have been nice. Oh, that whole eight ley line gamer really put a damper <laughs> on my graveyard. Yeah, that's a. Uh, that's, uh... That card gets a lot better when you don't have any when you when you can't put cards in your graveyard. Yeah, I actually thought about buying a playset of Helms after seeing that game. I was like, man, that looked fun. <laughs> he just got he got to watch the life drain out of my eyes. Yep. Yeah, um, I've had. I didn't end many up games. It, many games where it's just like, no, don't, don't do it. No, damn. <laughs> okay. Yep. And then it's like, oh, uh, I did awesome. it. I, I'm sorry for you. Uh, but then, in, but then in, uh, in game three, you completely trounced him, right? Yes. Uh, game three, he again mulled to, I think five, and I went. I played a DRC. He did not have a ley line pregame, but he went ancient tomb chalice, um, which I was able to daze, and then I wastelanded nice. him, and then. Just, oh. you know, just did the oh. just did the Delver thing and yep. attacked him quite repeatedly. Um, I was able to put a Bowmaster into play. Uh, I don't think I ever put a Merktide in the in the game at that point. Um, turns out three damage is a lot when your lands deal two to you. Um, 
So it ended up working out quite we well for me. We almost fucking had it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was uh, the end of round six. And at this point, I was 5-1. So yeah. I don't know how tournament math works because I'm usually Dude. X2 and it's like, yep. I have to win to have a chance right now. So I'm going to play my round. And I was talking to the people around me and they were looking at the standings and they were like, hey, man, you're good. And so I, you know, I called a judge over and I was like, hey, I know you're not allowed to tell me what to do, but can you tell me how this works? So he explains yep. the tournament system. I had probably had like eight beers at this point. So it went in <laughs> one ear out the other. I had I still had no idea. And my opponent comes up to me. He says, hey, do you want to draw? And I was like, let me just look at the standings. And I was ahead yep. of him on breakers. And he was like, my friends told me that I'm good if I draw. And I was like, I am ahead of you. Let's draw. <laughs> like, I, sure. am, I am fully trusting you. I really hope this doesn't work out badly for me, but I don't know enough to change it. And so that is 100% exactly how I handle tournaments too. Yep. It's just because like three times in my life, I've been in a position where like, I think I can draw into the vein, but it, oh, it, what it ends up being is like my going to my opponent being like, Hey, um, Hey, do you know what'll happen if we if we draw? Because I don't, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's, it's all it's all gibberish and Greek to me. Yep. And then they've, uh, you know, then I had fifty minutes to pace around the bar, being like, "Oh, did I make yep. a mistake? Am I going to miss top eight because of this?" And yep. I had found out that uh, so nine through sixteen were given an ancient tomb and a force of will as their prize. Um, oh, sweet. So, you know, I kind of at some point I was like, all right, even if I did mess up, you know, a tomb and a force of will is pretty sweet. I'm not going to be too upset yeah. about it. And then not a bad day. Somebody's like, hey, man, standings are up. What, like, where'd you place? And I was like, uh oh. So I looked, I refreshed mm -hmm. it and I saw my name at eighth at five, one and one. And I was like, hey, in there, baby, let's go. Oh, um, no. So the guy that you drew with, he didn't make it, did he? So the per one of the people that beat him or that he had beaten earlier won, and then someone that I had beaten lost. So he actually moved ahead of me in breakers in the final okay. round. So he was in at okay. seventh and I was in at eighth. And I was just like, you know but what? Hey, That's great. All We're that matters. In. Top um, eight's all that matters. But it was kind of a tragedy because my, my buddy was also five, one and one. There were two five, one and ones that didn't make top eight. Oh, in a hundred player tournament. And it's because he drew in the first round in a lands mirror. And then uh -huh. his first round opponent drew in round two and round three. Oh, no. so his breakers were abysmal. Yep. Basically um, no chance. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, that's the variance yeah. of magic. So I go on a top eight. I'm really pumped. I'm really nervous. Um, and you know, the guy comes, he sits down, we're, we're talking. And then uh, I asked the judge, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really nervous. I've never been in the top eight of a tournament before. Are we allowed mm -hmm. to have beer in here now? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't see why not. So I ran out, grabbed him, I sat down, and my opponent was looking at me like I was a piece of meat. He was just like, oh, this is going to be so easy. Like, this dude's freaking out. <laughs> he's drunk. He's nervous. And he yep. goes, Island, Ponder, go. And I was like, I know how to play this matchup. Yep. You so, have made a critical error, sir. <laughs> yeah, you should not have played control against me. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I actually held up. St 
stifle, even though I had a threat in my hand, and stifle just turned to fetch land uh, after yep. he had cast brainstorm. Uh, so that was really exciting for me. I knew I had a little bit of time because, you know, if you sometimes you brainstorm with a fetch land and you just draw through them anyway, because you're like, I'm all rolled up. Yeah. I've got six removal spells. I'm I'm booming. But he oh, yeah. obviously had something he didn't want. And then I played my threat. Uh, I had a daze up. I was able to kill one of his delighted halflings. Um, but he ended up beating me in. Uh... Oh, no, sorry. That was game two. So uh, I was able to draw out a couple of his uh, removal spells on Delver's DRC's Bowmasters. He was respecting Bowmaster, I think, more than he should have. But then gotcha. he cast a one ring, and I was like, I get it. That's, that's why you're mm. respecting that so much. Um, yep. But I was actually able to beat the one ring because I let him, you know, he got his protection. I cast a Murktide. He... Yep. Drew his extra two cards, tried to plow it. I had a force. He didn't have another counterspell. And then my Murktide went in for almost lethal, and then his ring damage killed him. Nice. Um, yeah, we, you know, we talk about, like, the ring drawing three cards is insane. And sometimes it doesn't draw three relevant cards. Nope. Sometimes there's three delighted halflings. Or, yep. you know, yeah, I, mean, I think, two I lands think and he was on, like, a, lands a 20, 27 land deck or something. If Whoa. I remember looking at his list correctly, so he might have just bricked on lands. Um, Do you remember who it was? Because I don't know. I want to look at um, it. Yeah, it was the on the. Uh, it'll he'll be first place because I don't think they went through and adjusted it after after the top eight played out. Yeah, his name was Ryan. Yeah. He was a uh, uh, the the yep. one seed. But yeah, I, I if I remember here. correctly, he had quite a few lands. This is a twenty-one land list, sir. Ah, uh, that's still a lot. Play 17, you It coward. is. Oh, oh, no. No, no, Yeah, no, but no, his no, curve no, no, does no, no, not no. stop at two. No, it doesn't. He doesn't have the halflings to help. But this is, again, this is similar to the Honorog list um, that I was playing where and the, to have... Yeah, this looks very similar to the Honorog list where you have one island and one forest. And the rest yep. of it is duels. Wasteland and, uh, was quite wasteland. good against him. Um, yep. And it, it's interesting because sometimes I sideboard out Wastelands against, like, Jeskai, um, oh, yeah. where they are on a lot of basics. Although I will say that has been less relevant recently because I have Knight's Whisper and Bowmasters and Brazen Borrower now. So those are all cards that have colorless pips where that Wasteland mm. can be mana. And you never want to tap your Wasteland for mana, but, like... Sometimes you keep an underground sea wasteland and you've got a Night's Whisper and you know that that can get yep. you out of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Um, game two, I uh, I got beat pretty good. Um, you know, I, I, made a, I made a fight out of it, but he just did the control thing. I didn't actually take any notes down for what happened there. I don't really remember. Um, but I just know that every time I played a threat, and then it, it, it got killed it it, at some point he resolved an Uro and I was at like 27, but I had one card in hand and I was like, you know what? Oh, I'm not going to waste anybody's time. Like, let, let's go to. Game yeah, three. We, we're, we, we know what's happening here. We know what's going on. Let's just we, go to game three. We're done here. You've got seven cards. I have one. You have an Uro. I have two lands. Like, yep, you got it. Um, Game three. Jake, can I tell you something? Absolutely. I got Terminus three times in game three <laughs> and one he only runs two 
he had a mystic sanctuary and he picked it back up and put it on top. So oh my he, gosh. he was on the play game three. So he island pondered. I played a Delvery Terminus. Or he uh, Tundra pondered. He had a Terminus. So I was like, I, I'm not even. Like, I had a, a, four, a counter spell in my hand, but I was like, you got it. Like, that's a clean yep. one for one. Like, I'm not. That's not my fight. Um, yeah, 100%. And so at some point I was able to get a Bowmaster and a DRC and then those got Terminus later. I think it was off of yep. a Brainstorm. He set up a Terminus and oh, nice. I tried to force or not force that. I didn't have forces at the time. I tried to daze it and he uh, pyroblasted me, which I don't know I why know. I cast the daze at all. I, maybe I was trying to tap him out, trying to, you know, big brain him or something. I might've had double yeah. daze, but my pyroblast did get dazed. Uh, if I had double dazed, it would have worked, so yeah. I might have just gotcha. tried to be to be mind gaming him, but he didn't fall for it, which is unfortunate. Well, I, I can see, situ- but I guess you'll. I can see situations copy. like where Days is a dead card, and it's like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. Like this, this limits his resources. It could, it could, if this pulls away from another ponder this turn, it's. I have, I have cast Days into open mana, being like, I mean, this card's not doing anything except maybe denying resources. Yeah, like if he can't ponder after this, then, you know, I'll yes. take that a win. That's basically, uh, you know, dazing the ponder because I don't think he would have cast the ponder into a daze. But, yes, exactly. You know, it's, it's slowing him down in some way. Um, at this point, I was just kind of playing by feel and not really thinking oh, yeah. everything through super in depth. Like, I was obviously yep. putting enough thought into be making a good decision, but I wasn't sitting there in the tank to make the yeah. best decision. Well, I mean, you're, um, you're what, nine and a half, ten hours into a, into a day of magic? Yeah, you know, and I, I had been up since, like, seven because uh, we wanted to, like, be able to sit down and have a good breakfast, and seven mm-hmm. o'clock is quite early for me, especially because I drove seven hours the day before, Whew. and I left my house yep. at four o'clock in the morning so that I could meet my friend at the Columbus airport when his plane landed. Um, gotcha. So at this point I was like, I was pretty shot. And also like at that point I was kind of just happy to be there. So yeah, I, I was playing feeling. a little fast and loose. Um, and I probably made some misplays, but I think I was playing pretty tight. Um, and what ended up not killing him, but really putting him in a bad spot was at one point I had two Bowmasters out. And so uh-huh. he was sitting there like, all right, well, am I drawing extra cards or, yep. you know, am I what am I doing? Um, also, very relevant that I somehow overlooked. I surgical his Uro on turn three. So Aww. he cast an Uro on turn three uh, on the play. And then as soon as they were in the graveyard, I think he fetched. Maybe he was going to cast a ponder or something. And yep. I, I just surgical it immediately because... I knew that he had uh, endurance. Well, I didn't know, but I figured he had endurance, maybe Fourth Aerolingus, and then I I don't know what else he's doing yep. to win the game at that point. Exactly. You know, he, he's 100%. got. He can stop me all he wants, but without Uro, he's going to have a really hard time closing the door. So then yes. I was able to kind of be a little more loose. I had two Bowmasters out that I think. One of them caught a ponder, but the other one didn't. So I would have <laughs> had five power in play. And I got Terminus again. And I was just like, stop <laughs> it, dude. You have to stop. I can't keep doing this. 
Um, so building a board for the fourth time to try and win the game. Yeah, and, and but at this point he's at like six maybe. Oh, and okay, so yeah. you know I'm not super worried about the one ring, although I am worried about it. Um, I had killed all of his halflings, uh, and I was able to get a merc tide down and win, even though he went in the tank for a little while. Um, I don't know what he was trying to play to. Um, yeah, but eventually he, you know, he reached out, he said, congratulations. And I was, uh, I was oh, very wow. happy at that point because one, I got terminus three times and I won. And then yep. two, uh, I had just upgraded. So five through eight got a bad lance and then one yep. through four got a blue duel. Oof. So I went Oof. from a bad lance to, at this point, the worst that could happen was an underground sea, uh, which is not bad. Like that's a that's no. a pretty good Saturday. That's um, not a bad land. That's a that's an underground sea. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. When when you're when the worst thing that can happen to you is someone hands you an underground sea at the end of the day. I mean, you you're doing pretty good. Yeah, and then so I went into the last round. Or not the last round. It would eventually be my last round, but it wasn't the last yes. round at the time. And I sat against my opponent. Um, I saw that he also drew at the last round. I don't know if he drew in the round before. I know the eventual finalist mm. was able to draw round six and seven. Oh, um, nice. But so I knew he was a competent player. Uh, yep. And he led on... A the first game he led on an Elvish Reclaimer and I was like, oh no, oh here we go, uh-huh. another deck that's built to chew Delver to bits. Um, yep. And he was able to get a bunch of Dryad Arbors in play. I made a game of it because he wasn't really killing my stuff. He did snuff out one Delver, but he wasn't really doing anything that scary. Um, mm-hmm. And then he cast Natural Order with an Alsor Shepherd in play. Um, that Uh-oh. is that is scary. <laughs> that is yep. like, all right, let me do hoof math. You have six creatures. Yeah, I'm dead. Yep. What's yeah. uh, <laughs> what, what's the worst DefCon again? <laughs> uh. yeah. I had been bested. Um, yeah. And then I was, I had, I didn't see a fiend artisan at that point, but I had a feeling based on the number of badlands that he played that he wasn't mm-hmm. combo elves that just kept a you know, a beat down hand and that he was truly on like the, I think people are calling it Newton elves or cradle control. Um, I yes. like to call it elf because it, <laughs> yeah, the only real elf is Allosaur Shepherd. And then sometimes they play reclaimer. Um, yeah, it's, but yeah, elves is a bit of a stretch these days. We, we call it, we, we used to call, or we're sort of calling it like Maverick elves. Cause it's just so akin to a Maverick deck in the creature base. Yep. It, it's got that whole grind thing, but I was like, uh-huh. all right, so He's bringing in a bunch of endurances. He's probably got fiend artisan, and he's got shepherd. So what do I? What is my plan here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked at my sideboard, and I was like, "Uh oh," because I, like I could bring in uh, plague engineer to name dryad, but like yeah. that felt questionable at best um so i ended up bringing in my dismember uh my brazen borrower and my rough tumble and then i killed 
a couple uh a couple dryad arbors with bowmasters but he doesn't really draw cards so like bowmasters was kind of just uh yeah two mana kill spell that left behind two dinky bodies against his one two reclaimers yeah, um, like a basically basically a bad shock yeah and it was like this is fine i'm not upset to be playing this but it's definitely not at its best um yep and he eventually put in like a six six fiend artisan and i oh boy i was unable to counter it because i only had dazes and he had a cradle and i was just like yeah all right so here's your fiend artisan and then uh you know from that point i got endurance in my draw step with uh or in my upkeep with a merc tide in hand and i was just like yep that, oh. that's how she goes um and I, you know, I drew my card for turn. It was a bolt, but I looked and I was like, "Yeah, I, you got it." Uh, yeah, that's that, well, oh. it, it's it's going to end eventually. That's a rough way for it to go down, but yep. at least it didn't happen in round two. Yeah, you know that that's the thing that I was happy about. Is like it's like all right, good game, man. Um, oh, that's an underground sea in my hand. Today was a good day. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It really yeah. could have been a Too lot hard. worse. <laughs> Too hard to be very upset when uh, when you walk out of there with a, with a premium dual land. Especially because the only two losses that I had in the day were two decks that are specifically built to just chew Delver to shreds. Yep. Like, that is and like what you said, they are like, designed to do. You had, you know, you probably, in that, it sounds like in one game mostly, you probably had some mistakes. You know, it's been 10 hours, you're tired, you had a couple of drinks. But for the most part, it sounds like you played really tight magic all day long. And yeah, just... I was really picking my spots. I felt yeah quite good at the end of the day. And then, um, you know, wrapping it up at the end, yeah, like I said, you lose a couple games to... Sometimes you get magicked, and, like, there's no way of avoiding that across a day, and that's that happened twice. Well, and, and at your, the end of the day, too, that's why we play Legacy. Because you get yep. to do the broken stuff. Like, yeah, if it does I feel wanted good to when play when you're on low power mid range slugfests all day, I would play standard. But yeah, Guy's Cradle is a cool card. Ancient Tomb is a cool card. Like they are, they fundamentally break the rules of what's okay in Magic, and that is fun. Like, yep. So, and that's I, exactly what we're here for. I truly don't remember which match it was, but at some point I stifled the trigger to. Gained the monarchy off of Fourth Aerolingus. Oh no! And I Be had to call my judge heart. and was like, "Am I allowed to do this? Like, I, I've never actually played against this card on Moto, so I uh-huh. like, I, it's it it's feels a trigger, like right? it should it, make it, a trigger." And he's it like, goes "Yeah, on the no, stack, it's because it's whenever it's it's a delayed trigger, it goes on the stack." And I was like, "Yes, I that am." That card gets a lot worse. Dude, I am going to my binder and getting my stifles out. I'm so excited to play with them now. Honestly, it it was so good. And then my friend at one, because I was talking to anybody who would listen about how good stifle oh, was yeah. running all day. Oh yeah. And my buddy was like, "Hey man, like, dude, you should you should chill about like telling everybody what's in your deck." And I was like, "It's probably better for me if my opponents know that I have stifle in my deck." Oh yeah, because I won't catch them. But it's the same the thing that we were saying before, where they're gonna play a little bit suboptimally because they're afraid of that card. Yeah, you're you're if you if I could make like if every game of Magic I could accidentally drop a stifle in my deck box and show it to my opponent, I would just be like, hey, just so you know, it's it's with your tokens. You just drop like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, just put it back. Oh my bad, just pick that back and put it back in. Yeah, 
like I just I need to keep one stifle on my sideboard and dedicate one sideboard slot to just throwing every opponent into playing around stifle the entire game because those are real po- those are real percentage points a hundred percent. Yeah, I stifled at least five or six times as many fetch lands as I pitched stifles to force of will, and in my book, go. that's a win. That's a big win. So, final thoughts then. Uh, you know, 10, 11 hours of magic. You walk around. You walk out with an underground sea. How did the tournament go? How did? How was it run? How did it feel? The Buffalo Chicken Dip has is is famous for being a phenomenally run tournament. But we get to have your first hand experience. What do you think about it? Oh, it was hands down the best tournament I've been to. Because um, aside from lunch, you know, which was a nice thing where they just they had a true pause in the day. Everybody sit down, eat lunch, chat with your friends, but. I think it was round between two and three. And then again, between like five and six, they brought out trays of the aforementioned Buffalo chicken dip with some really nice, nice, you know, the, like the, the rainbow colored tortilla chips. Yes. Yeah. So they had a bunch of those and you just, it was really good chicken dip. So you're just kind of, you're having some fun. Um, Like I said, I was able to drive in the night before, uh, the hotel was right on the premises, so I woke up, I put some sandals on, I walked downstairs, I got breakfast, and I walked into the venue. So, like, you know, from a that's... from a logistics standpoint, it was super convenient. Um, oh, yeah, that's as good as it gets. The, you know, having the the bar there, my friend and I were joking when we got there that we were going to O2 bar instead of O2 yep. drop. And, like, yeah, we're going to play the rest of the rounds out, but we're going to have fun. Um, so it kind of made it so that, you know, the worst case scenario is if you lose and you don't want to play anymore, there's a a bar full of people. They've got like arcade games, shuffleboard, cornhole outside. There's a nice pond. Like it was, it was just a beautiful venue. There were no hiccups really during the day. Um, the judges were pretty good about keeping the people that were in turns playing relatively quickly because, you know how it can be if two control players yes. look at each other and the, the dice goes to one and it's like, well, we got 20 more minutes of game left to play because, yep. you know, I might be able to win if I draw the absolute nuts for the rest uh-huh. of this thing. Um, yep. But they were they were doing a pretty good job of keeping things moving. Um, you know, we, we did start a little behind because I think there was a last minute drop, but also like magic tournaments and starting 15 minutes late. Name a better combo. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah, that's I, are you even playing magic if you don't start late? Yeah, so it was a really good tournament. I highly recommend it to anybody who, uh, you know, is close enough to Columbus to go. Um, mm-hmm. The city was pretty cool, too. You know, I was able to get in there the day before, kind of float around to some restaurants, just chatting with people. Um, if you're into that, there's a really cool botanical garden in Columbus um, that oh, had some nice. sick bonsai trees that were three times my age and it's just like wow that's kind of wild to think about that is that would be a lot of fun to go walk around and see yeah so it was you know it was a good time it's for people that are concerned about logistics it was like 20 minutes away from the airport just like on one highway so it's easy to get to um and once you're there you're there um i guess related to magic again you probably shouldn't put stifle in your deck but it's a hero <laughs> card, and we play hero cards here. Um, yep. But when it's good, it's really, really good. Um, 
Like I said, I think I would cut the Sanctuary for a Badlands just because your deck is a little bit clunky sometimes um, mm-hmm. with all the two drops. I mean, Delver kind of has always been every single card in my deck is one or zero mana except my Delve Threats. And yep. Expressive Iteration kind of changed that equation. And Night's Whisper is not Expressive Iteration, but it is good. Um, mm-hmm. And then... I think of Bowmasters like a Dreadhorde Arcanist that isn't nearly as broken, where it's like the two-mana investment for what this card is going to do is quite powerful. Um, So I think it's worth kind of stretching what your mana base can do uh, within your Day's Wasteland shell. One thing that I want to try, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but... I'm interested in putting one or two Lorien Revealeds in place of a Fetchland because my, or is it Revived? I don't know. Whatever the Island Cycler is. Um, It's Lorien Revealed, yes. Revealed. So my thought process behind that is it's a Fetchland that pitches to Force of Will. And that is 100% the reason I've heard it getting played so much in Modern is it just pitches to Force Negation. Yep. And then... If you, you know, there's times where you, you know, all your stuff gets answered, but you're both out of cards and you might have yep. five lands in play by some stroke of craziness. Yep. You know, five mana draw three to to break a, uh, you know, a board stall is not bad. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you would ever actually be able to do that in Delver, but I think it's at least worth investigating because of yeah. the fetch land to force interaction. And then if yep. you could ever cast that to draw three cards, that's just some gravy, you know, a little gravy on yeah, top the, never hurt anybody. The, the cost to entry is pretty low. Cause I, yeah, you, I mean, you're basically putting a, you are kind of putting a tap land in your deck. That's why I've kind of heard it talked about. Cause it's a, it's a fetch land. That's it, it's, it, it goes in, it's a fetch land for a tap land. Cause it, you know, you get to put a mana in to get it back out. But yep, yeah, the upside of being like, they, like there will be days when yeah like you know it's it's turn twelve it's turn thirteen and we're both just staring at each other and one of us gets to go I tap out draw three and it's like oh fuck yeah it's like this game has been cracked wide open uh huh because of that card so that's something so. that I'll be experimenting with uh, I don't know if it's gonna actually end up being good but I do quite like it um so yeah I mean it's Man. uh. It's definitely, it was a good deck. It was a good weekend. Um, I I think Stifle is the reason that I did as well as I did because it won me some games where, like, I just shouldn't have won. You know, you yep. can't counter a Supreme Verdict. But apparently nope. you can counter a Flooded Strand. Sure can. And that's where, that's where Stifle's the best. Like, it just pops up. It, it basically wins a tournament or pseudo wins a tournament and then... Pete, like it'll get in the mainstream people respect it for a little bit and it, then it's trash and eventually people will stop respecting it and then it'll pop up and it'll pseudo win a tournament and that's exactly what happened and like hats off well done sir that is an amazing amazing run to the top for uh, some amazing games for sure yep and if i see stifles and grixis delver in the challenges this weekend uh man i won't be able to describe how good that'll feel 
Yep. I'm, I'd say, I would say, I'm going to keep an eye out for the next few weeks. If we see any stifles popping up, I'm giving you all the credit because, like, it, it stifles, stifles are like roaches. They come, they, when there's one, there's two, and when there's two, there's four. They come in waves. Yep. And, you know, because BCD's not the biggest paper tournament, but it's a pretty high profile tournament in terms of, like, yes. you know, anybody that's played Legacy has heard of it. At least, yes, in everyone passing. knows of so yeah, people are aware of the buffalo chicken dip yeah and you know but, we were able to fire off with just under 100 players because of the last minute oh, wow. drop so you know taking nice. top four in a 100 player tournament playing a quote-unquote bad card as a two of there um, you go i'm feeling pretty good i am gonna start bringing this to a close though because we are sitting at oh, what was that? gonna be a nice hour hour and 15 minutes hour and 20 minute recap to go on after the episode so Everyone that gets an extra long episode this week gets to thank Chris for uh, showing up and kicking some major ass at the Buffalo Chicken Dip. But as we come to an end, you will have to take Matt's uh, Matt's place here. Uh, is there anything else you would like to talk about this week? All set. I would just like to give one more shout out to Rob at Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy. I know how hard he works to put on this tournament, and it has instantly become an annual trip for me because it was just such a good time. It was so well run. You know, get out there and play Legacy, everybody. It's really fun. Awesome. And then as uh, in case anybody wants to reach out to us, all the yada yada, you know, Cantrip Cartel at Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, everything. You guys have heard it a million times. But we'll see you guys next week. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken match, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers cross the sylvan libraries, where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's Exhale, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.